Hello, welcome to Blazepod. My name's Ben. It is Sunday, the 29th of March. I forgot what day it is for a moment there, which is what happens when there's no sport. So we're going back in time once again. We released a podcast looking at the 97-98 season uh, last week. So if you've not checked that out, please do so because... Uh, it was a lot of fun, really enjoyed reliving that season, and it was a pretty crazy one. Um, and yeah, we, by I guess popular request and our own uh, inclination as well, wanted to take a look at the 2002-03 season, the triple assault season for Sheffield United, where we reached two cup semi-finals and got to the playoff final as well. Some of the best players and best moments I've seen in a United shirt, a lot of great memories from this season. Um Andrew and I ended up talking for quite a long time, um, which you will probably hear at various points during this. So thought probably best to release it as two parts, because otherwise you're looking at a pretty pretty hefty three-plus-hour podcast. Um, they will be released pretty much back-to-back, so if you are desperate for three straight hours of um, Blades nostalgia, you can absolutely do that. But for everyone else who wants to space it out a little bit, it will be in two parts. So... Yeah, the second part, look out for that, um, probably by the time you finish listening to this. Um, and yeah, as always, I, I hope you enjoy this as much as uh, we enjoyed researching and reliving it. So let's bring on Andrew and let's get stuck in. You know, Jagielka brings it down on the chest, a long way out, cracks it! Yeah. Oh! Yeah. What a goal! Yeah. Unbelievable! What a goal! Tremendous! It is a moment to treasure! Phil Jagielka! Joined now by Andrew of RoysViewFrom.com. How you doing, mate? All right, considering. Yeah, can't complain. Surviving. Yeah, you all right? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, yep, yeah, still obviously completely deprived of uh, football and sport. Although looking forward to Euro 96 being rerun on ITV. That should be uh, should be interesting. But um, yeah, we're, we're back. We... Uh, we obviously recorded an episode uh, a little over a week ago looking back at the 97-98 season for Sheffield United, which was a crazy season. Um, if you've not listened to that, uh, please go and do so, because, uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty good, to be honest. I'm quite proud it's of that. described by one of my friends as the best thing you've ever done, like me, I mean, in life, not just like in this podcast, the best thing I've ever done, I've ever been involved in. So Fantastic. Not much higher than that, really. Yeah, and you, uh, you said one of your Wednesday fan mates listened to it as well. Didn't yeah, you? he did, yeah. Uh, I met him out to this one, so shout out to Daz if he's listening. But, um, yeah, he, he really enjoyed it. He's a, a massive fan of the old, you know, going back in the past. And the old players, I, I don't know, I've got a bit of a weird fetish for this nostalgia of, you know, talking about players that you've not heard of for absolutely ages, you know, yeah. so, I don't know. But uh, well, what we spoke earlier just before about uh, Phil Mulrine, for instance, of Norwich and people like that, just names that you will never mention again unless you're going back to the season. So. Indeed. Well, I'm sure there'll be a few crop up in, uh, in the course of this because we're going to look at another memorable season for Sheffield United. Um, I don't know if you can... Yeah, it's, it's going to be strange to sort of talk about these in uh, in parallel to each other. Uh, I am, of t- course, talking about 2002-2003, the triple assault season where United competed on um, on 
on three fronts, obviously, given that as the title suggests, uh, in both cups and uh, and reaching the playoff final as well. Um, before we get to that, though, just a few follow-ups from uh, from the the previous one, uh, which, as I say, a lot of people seem to enjoy and um, yeah, really appreciated all the feedback that we got. And some of it, there was a few uh, a few corrections, I suppose, from from people, which I'll I'll just yeah. rattle through here. Um, first of all, apparently, Nicky Marker was good. I, uh, I I slightly bad badmouthed Nicky Marker. I think I just described him as a very beige meh player. On this one, but he won, um, he won the player of the year that year. I later found out, you know, like I was reading a lot of the programs, and um, I can't remember who won it, uh, but anyway, Nicky Marker actually won the official supporters player of the year that season. Uh, okay, because yeah, I think we talked about him. Did it was he like top of the fan vote or something like that? In yeah, the I think program. it was second in the fan vote. I can't off the top of my head remember who was top. Well, David Oldsworth at top, I think. Oh, that's right, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Nicky Marker was second. We were like, Nicky Marker, but he actually won the official supporters one. Yeah, and I was saying I just couldn't remember. I think it was just like I just didn't grasp what he did. I guess at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently he was uh, he was moved to centre back and uh, and became the one to sort of uh, roll the ball out to and start attacks. John mm. Denver, not the John Denver, but John Denver from the S two forum says he became this calm, seasoned, strong, and ultra consistent deep lying midfielder. And uh, Silent Blade says Marker often found space to make himself available to receive the ball from Simon Trace's hand and then look for someone to pass to. And yeah, that completely passed me by. So some apologies to, to Nicky Marker, I suppose. I thought he was fine. I don't think he was a bad player. I just was really surprised that he won our player of the season. I've got to be honest, I do not remember a single thing about Nicky Marker. I can't remember a thing. And that, that's bad. I'm, I've got a, a horribly vivid memory of like 90s football and I can't remember a single thing that Nicky Marker did just uh, yeah just a couple of the things we talked about on the last one I suppose but then, yeah, yeah even, yeah, even those I had to uh, yeah. yeah even those I had to uh, refresh my memory on um, what else we got Loughborough Blade thinks John Marcello took a penalty with his wrong foot the following season so this is this is following on from us being really bad at penalties. Yeah. Um, so I can't remember which was Marcelo's strongest foot. I think he was right footed and t- must have took this penalty left foot and missed it. Um, yeah. I-, I think it was Huddersfield at home. I can't find any video of this, but I do remember him missing a penalty against Huddersfield at home. Um, it was at the Bramall Lane end, if this is ringing any bells to anyone. Uh, and he put it wide because I was the keeper dived the wrong way. So I, from the south stand, started celebrating immediately, thinking, you know, how can you miss the target with a penalty at that yeah. age? Um, but he put it wide. Uh, it was. I think if anyone's was... got these season review videos, by the way, if anyone's listening, please put them up. Please upload them to YouTube because there's loads missing. We've obviously triple assault videos up and the the ninety seven to ninety eight one we did, but these nothing seasons seem to just disappear. And you know the, the one under Steve Bruce, which was the, se- the season you're talking about now, and the Adrian yeah. Ethan Warnock first came in. Love to see those sort of videos, to be honest, because I bet there's loads of stuff that I forgot about. Yeah, and and now is definitely the time to do that. I would, very, yeah, yeah I don't, it's sad, but I, I definitely would sit through like. Yeah, that that Adrian Heath uh, Warnock season would be quite. Yeah, I mean, this the, the people must have them all. I mean, I, I I knew a kid at school who used to get them every season religiously. Whether they've still got them, I don't know. But people must have these videos around, and if they are, just put them on YouTube, and I think you'll. Uh, yeah, you make a lot of people very happy or unhappy when they start watching it, maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's also from Loughborough Blade. Wayne Quinn infamously trained with the senior England side after the end of that season. He picked up an injury, was seen by Glenn Hoddle's faith healer, Eileen Drury. There's another name from the past. Mm. It was never the same player again after that. No. Well, we'll come to Wayne Quinn later on in this podcast, won't we? So. Oh. 
and, and his dramatic fall from grace. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few people told me I was completely wrong on Roger Nielsen. I'm standing by this. I still think it was rubbish. Um, yeah, uh, although apparently John Watson was right with the pronunciation of Roger. Uh, as, as revealed in a Norwegian commentary YouTube video. So, fair play, John Watson. Talking of pronunciation, I don't know what went on here. I think my brain just froze. Joey Bocamp, as we spent ages talking around. It's, of course, pronounced Joey Beecham. As uh, anyone familiar with uh, Beechif in Sheffield should um, should, should realise. Yeah, any slightly weird-sounding name is not my forte, as people know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised I've got that wrong. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. And that is a neat segue into the final sort of follow-up point. Uh, Vila Leitinen. Uh, we said we had no idea who this guy was. He was a player mm. who was on our books in 97-98. Didn't make an appearance. Uh, just not cricket on Twitter comes in with some very interesting information he's now a musician apparently and his first single i will attempt to pronounce this because i believe he's finnish uh naparuntito was released in 2006 many finnish radio stations have played his music most of his appearance were for tampere united who i'm not familiar with as a football club but there you go he's uh he's not just a, a total yeah. nobody he's now a musician i'll have to check that out i'll have to check his album out and see what he's like it might be better than andy cole even when he released his <laughs> Maybe I'll have to get the music. Could be my, could be my new, uh, the new intro music for the pod. <laughs> right, that was. Uh, let, let's move slightly, uh, slightly less into the past and forward a few years um, to 2002, the summer of. Um, we're a few months removed from uh, a pretty terrible season here, which was the season before. So we've gone. Let's just quickly connect the dots here. Um, Steve Thompson finished that night eight season. Then we had Steve Bruce for a bit. Uh, then he quit. We had Adrian Heath. Uh, he was sacked. And then Warnock took over. And this is season two, season three of the... Season three uh, of Warnock. Of and I Warnock. think there were quite a bit of uh, excitement about that season, if I remember rightly. I remember Asaba the season before coming in. I think we just... I think at one point, the season before... The season before the season before, if you get what I mean. Uh, we just we, we were in the playoffs at one point and we just like slipped out. We brought Sabra and he ended the season amazingly. And we mm. were thinking, uh, oh, well, you know, we've got a real chance here. You know, we've got Sabra, Pesca Salido, like he was obviously a good player for us, unloving, and it never happened. And obviously we finished 13th that year. Uh, and Sabra only scored seven goals, but still managed to be our top goal scorer, which tells what a poor, poor season we had. Yeah, so this is 0 just in case anyone's getting confused. With, yeah, with sorry, yeah. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, of course, we had the, the Battle of Bramall Lane occurred in that season as well. And yeah, that's it. I mean, whatever you think about Warnock or Megson or anyone, it's pretty embarrassing episode in our history. It's not something that I think anyone really looks back on and goes like, oh, oh wasn't that great? You know, what, mm. what an exciting moment in United's history and stuff. So, yeah, it was embarrassing. As you say, finished 13th. Um, I mean, we were so average. We had a minus one goal difference, 15 wins, 15 draws, 16 defeats, scored 53, conceded 54. It's just just a, a bland nothing season. And No point of kicking that season off. No point of going to any game. We're just going to finish middle. 
You know, not, no, none of the goals really counted for anything in a way because it all just ended up like a minus one goal difference finishing completely mid-table. Yeah, and I have to say, going into 0203, I think this is this is where I can sort of uh, dovetail this with the previous pod because that one, that year, 97-98, was very hyped for, had real mm. excitement that we were going to have an exciting, dramatic season and it turns out I was correct, just not quite for the reasons I initially thought. Um, this one, I've got to say, I was a little bit checked out of to begin with. Um, yeah. On a on a personal level, I was like getting ready to go to university a couple of months after it started. So, and we'd had that terrible, as I said, really bland season the year before, and then the summer business, not that exciting on paper. Um, I mean, as it turns out, some of these were very good signings. I've got to, you know, got to absolutely uh, caveat that, but. Yeah, I mean, look, we sold Paul Devlin to Birmingham, who was one of our few exciting players at that time. He... Yeah, Devlin were fantastic for us for a good couple of seasons. He was probably the mm. best best player in the early Warnock period, I'd Absolutely, say. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, and and I think he wanted a transfer. Do you remember the game against Watford the season before? Where we were, uh, we lost two 0 and Devlin lost the ball and didn't bother tracking back, and the crowd just like absolutely slaughtered him, and that was basically the end of Devlin at United. <laughs> After no, I, I don't remember that actually. Yeah, wow. I mean, he, he just didn't. He, he didn't want to be there. You know, he just did not. I and mean, we sold him for two hundred thousand pound, which is it's such a low fee even then. Yeah, it's uh, back to Birmingham actually, wasn't it? Who yeah. we signed it from in the first place. Uh, George Santos uh, and Patrick Sufo, two significant figures in the Battle of Bramall Lane, were mm. let go. Bobby Ford, who was uh, had a pretty big role to play in the previous podcast. He also left, and we, we well, it was to replace these players, but you look at some of the players that came in, um, I'm just going to rattle them off with their ages, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in, in plenty of depth, but 38-year-old Stuart McCall, 32-year-old Steve Yates, 35-year-old Ify Inura, 35-year-old Wayne Allison, who turned 36 a few months into the season. An absolute dad's army of signings, and mm. most of them... Were, were intended to be first team players. I suppose they would be. Uh, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't sign a thirty five year old to keep your bench warm generally. No, would you? and the thing I think with these signings is when you like the, the ninety seven season we talked about. The, there are a lot of dad's army signings there with the likes of Saunders and Rush and people like that. But they were players who had done it. You know, the likes of McGraw. Mm. Other than Stuart McCall, we're talking about journeymen. You know, lower league strikers. If you're Nora, Wayne Allison, Steve Yates, they weren't sort of Premiership. 30-year-olds who'd come down and, you know, they were, they were playing out the career in the chat. These were, like, just average players on paper throughout the career in the 20s. So to to buy them at this age, yeah, I don't think it, there was much excitement for this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do my best not to sort of... Uh, or rather, I'm going to do my best to try and be accurate to how I felt at the time, I guess, which is mm-hmm. as, as best as I can and not sort of... Uh, yeah, retrofit what I was feeling onto this. But, <laughs> yeah. but I do not remember being excited about those signings at all. Um, Paddy Kenny uh, obviously joined in that summer as well. I mean, I should say all, uh, almost all, if not all of these, were free transfers. We had pretty much no money to spend whatsoever. Well, Paddy was on, actually, for the first three months. Was uh, it really? Oh, I didn't know Paddy that. Kenny came on long three months Tracy with the number one and he, he got an in, I presume he got an in, he got an injury in the last day I think of the season before hmm. and he weren't fit so we got Paddy Kenny on three months I think expecting Tracy to be fit uh, later on in the season and we actually signed him after his three month loan spell but yeah for the first three months Paddy Kenny were only on loan and this again now you say Paddy Kenny 
pretty much everyone's heard of Paddy Kenny. He played in the Premier League and everything. But mm. it, again, it was, it's just a, a loan signing from Borough. You're thinking, well, who's this guy? Yeah, and he, it, am I making this up? He made his name at uh, Bradford Park Avenue, I thought, didn't that, he? That's it, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and then gone to gone to Bury or Bury. I still don't know how you say that one. I'm going with Bury. So again, it's another signing that you're thinking, well, he's not going to be as good as Tracy. He's, you know, he's on loan from Borough. What, what we're doing? Yeah, we we were obviously transitioning here from that great era of Kelly and Tracy mm. into uh, yeah, and it's, who is this unknown, weird-looking goalkeeper? Because he he, <laughs> he, he he was weird. Am I off the mark here? Look at Paddy Kenny. who's like. It wasn't overweight. He just looked overweight. He had like he a did round like head. A I mean, I know he was a goalkeeper, but he looked like a goalkeeper from like 1920, as you imagine him or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, with his shape, he's like, right, you're the biggest guy. You go in there. You've got a bit of weight behind you. But yeah, they were no like sort of. Uh, you didn't you never expected the say Kenny could pull off by looking at him. No, indeed. And and as it happens, he uh, he went on to be a, a really, really good goalkeeper for United. It, it obviously ended, um, well, <laughs> terribly, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly did. in a book out, Paddy Kenny, um, hmm. where he's going to talk about that uh, incident where he says like he'll, he will reveal the truth, as all those sort of books do, you know, to get him to buy it. But, yeah, apparently there's more to that story. But, um, yeah, but you were, you were a fantastic goalkeeper for his realistic life. Yeah, uh, just at the time, not a uh, not a hugely exciting one. Although I don't know, not many people get excited about goalkeepers, I suppose. Um, one other signing I was just going to mention: Lawrence Ten Huevel, a uh, Dutch striker, or Lawrence... AKA the new Bergkamp, as uh, Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock described him as a bit like Bergkamp. <laughs> <laughs> this is from the same country, I suppose. Yeah, that, that were it. Yeah, and I think that's what he's put two and two together. But... Oh. They're both from Holland, so yeah, Ten Uval. But I remember actually that signing out of all of them. I genuinely remember thinking, well, he could be all right because I've never heard of it. You know, you get a bit excited, don't you, with players that you've never really, you know, nothing about. Yeah, indeed. Um, is there is there anyone else that I've missed there? As a, I, I think that, I think they were the, the they were the, uh, the the initial signings. We signed quite a lot as the season went on. Yeah, uh, again with no transfer. Just looking down the squad it? now, and I, I think that was the that they were the. Yeah, yeah. I can't see anyone else who we signed in pre-season anyway. Yeah, um, it was also so we. It, I, I put this to you the other day that um, Warnock, uh, Neil Warnock, was obviously the manager during this season. Uh, that he was a li- he got a little bit lucky. Uh, this is what I said to you the other day um, in in what happened because obviously that's not not an ideal bit of squad building, and he no. ended up getting. Uh, almost lighting, lightning in a bottle from players like Michael Tong and Phil Jagielka, who, you know, we're, we're not all of whom were like in the team to start the season, and then suddenly, very quickly, became like essential players. And actually, in retrospect, it's not a bad blend in that you know we we sign veteran players. Uh, yeah. We want to be charitable. We sign veteran players to support the youngsters that were coming through. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if he just got very lucky with that squad mix or whether it was like actually a deliberate bit of squad building because I don't know the impression I always yeah, get. I mean, with Warnock Warnock, is... you... Go on, sorry. You could say in defence of Warnock that you know that, that he saw enough in these players uh, the previous season when they had bits and bats of games and stuff to think right. All we need now is a bit of experience, Ed. But I think I'm with you. I think. That could have gone very, very different like that season if Tong and Jagielka had not been as good as they, you know, the, as they as they were. Because you never know with young players, do you? 
No, exactly. And of course, Michael Brown, who had a, a season for the ages, but um, also a, a, a pretty much a complete outlier. I don't think he ever had a, a season like this. He did win the player of the season the year before, uh, Michael Brown. But uh, as you say, in terms of goal scoring, yeah, yeah. not he's ne- never had another season like it. Yeah, he was, uh, and yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss him as like a one-season wonder because I thought he was fantastic from the moment we, uh, moment we signed him. I think we had him on loan from Man City for. Like, yeah, he was always one of the best players. He played in a poor team for for mm-hmm. the majority of the, those early Warnock years. But I think I'm pretty sure. I mean, someone can correct me, but I'm pretty sure he won it two years in a row, the the Player of the Year before the season. And we'll come to it later. But weirdly, he didn't win it this season. Oh, that is very surprising. I yeah. Huh, you have really thrown me there. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to properly think about who that might be. I was gonna say you can have a guess now, you can have a it's up to you. I'm just looking down the squad. It wasn't Michael Brown. No. Uh I guess it could have been Peter and Love. No. Okay. It was a certain what we just spoke about, Patrick Kenny. Was it? Oh. Paddy, Paddy Kenny won the Player of the Year. Uh, the reason I remember this is because when it happened, my dad got going absolutely mental, saying he scored twenty-two goals. How's he? They're <laughs> getting to goalkeeper, but yeah, yeah, Paddy Kenny won it that year. In the previous two seasons, I'm pretty sure Brown won it. Weird. Yeah, I don't know how mm-hmm. Brown's. That's amazing. He didn't actually win that award, but oh well. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he didn't worry about it too much. Um, I think also just as a, a general. The general feeling on this season, as I said, we it, it wasn't a very enthusiastic summer, I suppose, as a, from a fan's point of view. And then it didn't start well either, which we'll get onto in a minute. But I think it uh, it evolved into something incredible, and it got to a stage where, well, I don't know. It just it, it certainly um, it certainly made me more excited about United than I'd been since the season we talked about in the previous podcast. It Completely. felt like. It felt like something developed and became like, oh my god, we're you know we're on such a roll. And actually, when you when you kind of look back at the final league table now, it's like, oh, we we you know we we ended up finishing a long way off the promotion spots, and you know we weren't weren't that far ahead of like seventh actually in terms of yeah. points. Um, but it it was a huge just like uh, this building of momentum, and there was some amazing moments along the way, and it, just this season of late goals I, I had never. I never felt like we were beaten at all. I really thought we were going to score, you know, being a goal down, two goals down, going into like the last 10 minutes, I thought we're going to get a goal and then we'll mm. get another goal and then we'll probably get a winner because it just it just felt like it was going to happen. It was such a, it, it became a it really It was in a generation team. season, I think, just mm. the way it happened, just the way of sort of, to, to to be so close in three competitions, the, the fact obviously that we we didn't do anything in any of them is, is, is as you, as people would say, typical United. But I don't I can't see another season in in, in our lifetime where we're unless we become like a Man City where we're fighting on three fronts like that. Yeah, I mean I'm skipping ahead a bit here, but I know, I know we've sort of uh, we've talked about this a little bit separately. But to my mind, I like this sounds a bit stupid, but I like this season more than the one we actually got promoted. I totally agree. Totally Four years totally agree. later. And people will be shouting about that, saying, oh, can you, we didn't win anything. I yeah. enjoyed this season far more than the promotion season. I I think it, I think one of the reasons is because it came as such a shock. I think we weren't expecting... I think after this, the expectation levels went up from then on, mm. basically. Um, pretty much until to, to the present day. Because um, we were just a bit of a middling championship club for you know this couple of seasons before. 
And I think the fact that we had so many young players in it, you know, our players coming through the, the academy, Jagiel Katong, Montgomery and all these sort of people. And then even like later on, we had Tyrone Thompson and stuff like that. We, we didn't, we didn't realise like that he were never going to do anything. It felt like a proper United side. And I, and the, the games were so exciting. And we genuinely, we, we went to so with Arsenal and Liverpool were two of the best sides in, in England. And mm. on another day could have beat them. So it really did feel like you could beat anyone with that team. I think that team was arguably better than the one that got promoted, which doesn't make sense. But I just think if we hadn't had been firing on three fronts, we possibly would have got automatic that season. Mm, I think uh, I think that's a fair shout. I think with the uh, yeah with the 06, uh, excuse me, the 05, 06 season that we did get promoted, we started that season off like an absolute train. I mean, we mm. won something like 10 of our first 12 games, I think, didn't we? And yeah. then we were a bit mediocre for the rest of the season and it became well mediocre is unfair you know we were we were a good team for the rest of the season but it became a bit like oh we're we gonna throw this away like what a yeah great and i think that's and, the thing i mean we were like some like 12 points clear that season and, we, and leeds crawled it back to one and then mm. it were amazing obviously when we be uh whole city in that game and you pretty much knew we were going to go up and stuff but it did feel a little bit like Oh god, we've squeaked over that line, really. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I, I know that's unfair because I think we. What do we get? Ninety points that season, which is yeah, obviously I think overall, more we, than we got last season. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we we deserved the the promotion and stuff, but I think after from like Christmas onwards, the football and everything wasn't that that fantastic. But anyway, anyway. Yeah, indeed. So this was a, a highly enjoyable season, despite ultimately nothing to throw from uh, throw from it. Um, show for it. Um, so let, let's actually get into the games. And we talked about the, the the players that we've picked up and let go. Um, we kicked the season off at Coventry City. Uh, took the lead, actually, with an absolute screamer from Carl yeah. Asaba. I liked Asaba a lot, actually. Um, I think it was signed for £92,500. That's, that's always so, stuck in my head, that. So worn up, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously scored a, uh, a famous goal in a, a win at Hillsborough. Um, what would that have been, like 18 months previously? It was yeah, April yeah, when he first State, came in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he came in at Sarber and he looked amazing for that end of that season uh, when, he, when he first came in and we were all expecting stuff from him the season after and it just never happened. Yeah, so he started up front with uh, Ify and Nura in this one. Um, I think uh, Steve Yates also made his debut in central defence, as did Paddy Kenny. Yeah, and um, yeah, we took the lead, but unfortunately, ended up losing two one. Uh, Gary McSheffrey got the winner. I, he always seemed to do amazing against us. I felt I always wanted us to sign him, and I think that was based on the fact that he always scored against us. Rather yeah, than it was, it was Robert Snodgrass, like fifteen years <laughs> yeah. before. Um, so yeah, this is. A, I mean, I've, I've titled this section a bad start because it it really was. We, uh, we drew one all at home to Portsmouth uh, in the following game. Uh, and then drew one all at home to Walsall. So I remember yeah. that game getting a lot of criticism, the Walsall game, because the Portsmouth game we drew one one, and then you thought, yeah, they're going to be a decent side that season. And then the Walsall game, we were like, well, this, this is coming on the back of the season before, which were really poor. Played really poorly against Walsall. It's three games you've not won. And I, I, in the program, Warnock after the uh, Coventry match said, Coventry a team who will certainly make the playoffs and push for automatic promotion. So to play as well as we did was no mean feat. Sometimes you'd like to play like Coventry and win, then play as we did and lose. And you think, oh, that's fair enough. He says it in every programme. Every single programme that we we play, Palace, Leicester, uh, whoever we're playing, he'll say, they're going to be up there this season. That was a fantastic display because they're one of the best sides in the division. It just becomes like a running joke in almost every programme where 
wherever we win, lose, draw, he, he defines it as the greatest performance because of how good the opposition are. It is weird to think that Warnock is still like a football manager 18 years after this. And still, <laughs> still doing the same things. Um, let's, maybe this is a good segue point just to, just to talk about Warnock generally, I suppose. Um, I'll, I'll give, me, give me a one-sentence review of Neil Warnock as, as a manager. Uh, I don't know about a sentence. I think the word that goes down with Warnock is interesting, controversial, <laughs> just things like that. You, there's no doubt he was one of our better managers like in my mm-hmm. lifetime. You can't take that away from him. I think he was far better than the likes of Heath and Bruce, the early Bruce, obviously, we got. But he was far better than uh, people that came after him. He was better, black, better than Blackwell. He was a decent... He's a very, very, very good championship manager. But, my God, he drove you mad, didn't he? Even when... You, I mean, even when he was our manager, I used to, like, cringe at what he said. And now he's not mm. your manager. And you think, oh, no, stop it. <laughs> this is where I have to work hardest to kind of not let my current feelings distort my memory, if you like. Because yeah. I do remember, you know, it was, it was, it was still novel to me to have a... United fan as um, as as the club's manager and United fan in inverted commas. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we we certainly took it at that point, didn't we? You know, like this is did, a lot yeah. better than uh, a lot better than Adrian Heath, and he did turn that that side around. Um, a bit, it just took a little little bit of time, I suppose. Um, yeah, you're right. He was he was a bit cringe. I, I have to say, re- revisiting this season, it brought back a lot of memories about how kind of divisive Warnock was as a, as a manager for a, for United fans. I mean, yeah, I don't think we've had anyone like this in, in the rest of these sort of 25 years I've been following. We've had bad managers, but everyone's united in knowing that they're bad. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you get like a, a 1% of fans that, that are kind of in the sort of, you know, give him a chance kind of thing. I mean, maybe Nigel Clough is the closest, but I think we all, it was all staring us in the face with Clough, wasn't it? It was like, well, the yeah. football is crap. We, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, start with a point, that kind of thing. I, I don't know if that was him or Atkins said that one, actually. It was Clough, that one. You it was Clough, point, right. Uh, what was it? You start with a point, make sure you leave at least with a point. It's like, that's the most... Yeah. Just sort of... But, yeah. And it was, you know, on the... Because this is... Um, I, I was, uh, I was, you know, deep into United message boards at this, this stage of life. I think it was the old, uh, old bladesunited.org, yeah. uh, R.I.P., and yeah, it was you know you were, there was a genuine thing of like you were either um, a happy clapper or a war knocker. I think I got this right. All through the season in his program notes, Warnock digs at the fans or a certain section mm. of the fans. In I'd say one in every three programs. Re- I'll come on to I'll come on to it uh, later on, but yeah, in every everyone is like. It's, it's it's not like a, a blatant, but he'll say something like, "I'm sure that will shut the owners up." You know what I mean? At the end of like a sentence and stuff like. Needless to say, I had the last laugh, sort of, <laughs> sort of like sort of thing in every sentence every time we win. But yeah, I mean, and he was like that all the way through his career. I always remember the uh, the, the Wimbledon game. Uh, in fact, that this season when we drew one one, and he goes, "I don't come into their way when they're having a bad day and start booing him." <laughs> Just, all, all the way through the season, he sort of. Antagonize. And I remember the other Warnock documentary a couple of seasons later mm-hmm. where the fans are singing there's only one Neil Warnock and any other manager would be like, oh, that's nice. And he just turns around and says, they'll be one of me out next week, won't they? Eh? It's just, <laughs> it was so frustrating. Uh, but on that documentary, actually, uh, 
Uh, I know it's Den Blades are serializing a bit of a um, deep dive into that documentary. That's I don't know if you've read the first article. Yet. That, that, that is something. That documentary is one of the better football documentaries. There's no doubt about it because of the personality of Warnock, the fact that the, the season didn't go as we wanted. And it's, I, don't, I think you can watch that as a football fan, not just as a United fan. That, that yeah. Right. But it was, it was stressful being a, a fan of a team that had Warnock as manager. It wasn't, you know, all like sweetness and light and you know even when we were doing really really well as you say there were still those little digs at the fans there was still a sort of like what's he going to do now is he going to randomly start on an opposition manager or get sent <laughs> off or something and, yeah yeah he squared yeah. up to Wacking Bay didn't he the season after this I think where on Did the touchline it's like that's not a good move for you that one like, to be fair massive Wacking <laughs> Bay but... I still remember Wacking Bay when he scored that goal for uh for Leicester and took his shirt off. It was yeah. like, wow, well, yeah. this guy yeah. is ripped. Yes, Warnock, do not start a fight with Adiakabai. But yeah, I know what you mean. It was, it, it, it was a little bit embarrassing. I mean, the season we got promoted, he got sent off on against Leeds. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, but, well, the, the, that the were, like coronation game. That were, Yeah, it was, we're already up. We'd beat Leeds to promotion. It should have just been one big celebration. He gets sent off at half-time for allegedly saying break his effing legs to, <laughs> to a United player about a Leeds player. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But he certainly got sent off for it. It was, uh, it was it was having a it was bickering with Graham Paul in that one I think when he like, he wanted but it was over something stupid he, like he wanted a free kick given to us or something it's like we've we've won promotion this we're playing the team that we have pipped to promotion yeah. and you're bitching about a blooming free kick that we didn't get in a game we're and, not and, even and losing in the one hand you could say well that shows he's a winner and stuff like that and and Wilder if we, when we got promotion he wanted that hundred points but he went about it in such a different way to what Warnock yeah. did. And this is what I mean about I'm trying not to let what I think about Warnock now, which is significantly less positive than I, mm. I thought then, but I'm trying not to let that influence my memories of him too much, I suppose. But, it, but let's, let's not forget, he, he is a good manager. I, when Wednesday were linked with him a couple of years ago, I didn't want Wednesday to get Warnock because I think he'd have done all right with him. Yeah, I think he'd do all right with any uh, any sort of backs against the wall championship team, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, you know, the job he did at Cardiff a couple of years ago is... It's throwback football, but he, you know, he built that team to play that way, and it was very yep. effective at this level. Uh, and just because we're obviously talking about Wilder, um, Ryan Mallon, I used to school with Ryan Mallon, really nice lad, and uh, he went to on loan to Halifax that season, the season we're talking about, mm. uh, under Chris Wilder. And there's a little bit in the program where Mallon says of Wilder, uh, he's a great coach, he gives the players confidence, but when he shouts, he shouts, and that's the only <laughs> thing you see of Wilder in all that. But I just find it, I don't know, I find those things like quite, uh, quite interesting when you think. When you were reading that program, there you probably just skimmed over that bit, thinking Chris Wilde, yeah, who's he? But now he obviously becomes, you know, the well, arguably the greatest manager in our lifetime. So, love it, love it indeed. So yeah, we had that one old draw with Portsmouth, who went on to uh, absolutely storm the league. Actually, uh, wait, how many points did they get in the end? Ninety-eight points for yeah. Portsmouth, uh, won the league by absolutely miles. So it was actually quite a good point. It just didn't really. No, I guess it, you know. I think they just they just come down. I, no, they are, they've been in the season for ages. I've been in the division for ages, but uh, the appointed Harry Redknapp, who and they went on a bit of a spending spree under Mandarich, and they got like Paul Merson and play people like that. Uh, mm. Spent a lot of money. Funnily enough, the first home game is against Portsmouth, and once again in the program now it's after. Warnock says they'll be up there all season. They won't get an harder game than that. So he got that one right, but he says it about every team, so it sort of loses its. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, I feel like I noted down somewhere who came up and who came down to start this season. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Bradford came down. Oh, no. I've got I've got it here. Hang on, so 
the teams that came down from the Premier League, just for future reference, I guess, uh, Leicester City, Ipswich Town, Derby County. Yeah. Teams that came up from the second division, as it was then, were Brighton, Reading and Stoke City. Um, All three would end up in the Premier League as well, wouldn't they, at some point? Yeah, not too much after this, I yeah. suppose. Yeah, probably within, what, seven or eight years? Or yeah, something like that, something like that yeah. And at yeah. the time, Brighton, Stoke and people like that, they'd never been, you know, really in, in our league, had they? Not at all. Um, yeah, so one, uh, two points from the first three games, not great. Uh, but we did finally get up and running uh, with a win at Burnley against... Uh, Stan Turnant, who was one of the, was probably the top three managers that Warnock feuded with most, to the point where you could barely remember what the feud was about. But he was, uh, he was a guy we talked about. Of uh, he sent Kevin Blackwell, uh, Warnock sent Kevin Blackwell to go and spy on his halftime team, <laughs> didn't he? Uh, yeah. In a different season, but yeah. if Ianiora got his first and possibly only, yeah, goal? it was his only goal. Yeah, I didn't reach yeah. out to this season. I can't find anything out about that actually. I didn't. Ianiora, uh, I yeah. mean. I don't know, he's 35, so probably... Yeah, but he, had, he got injured, I think, in the game after this. We played Rotherham, I think. Let's bear with me two seconds. I oh, know there were a couple of games later, actually. We played Rotherham about four games later, and he got injured in that game, and he never played again for, for United. Mm. But yes, that was a, a good win. And then we followed it up with a, a 3-1 win over uh, Millwall at home the following game. Michael Tong's first goal for the club, I believe. It must have been... Surely, I don't, I don't think he played. I can't give you that. I know he played a few of the season before, but I don't know if that was his uh, his first goal or not, to be honest. Um, let's have right. a look here. He, I know he had, he had scored because he scored six that season and his overall United appearances at that point were 11 goals. He must have scored before, whether they were in cup uh, Fair enough. So, um, yeah, I want to just quickly talk about Tong and how how amazing he was at the yeah. uh, certainly in the first few months of this season I mean you can make an argument he kind of dropped off a little bit towards the end but if you watch the highlights I mean and I definitely felt this you know being at some of these games so skillful such a great dribble and actually through the season we were we became this very dynamic team who had a lot of players who could run at defenders and a lot of our goals come from that kind of yeah. thing somebody picking it up like 40 50 yards out and just going at the defense and Tong was like it was almost untouchable. He was um, in Liverpool and all sorts, weren't he? I mean, everyone now, yeah. you look at the careers people went on to have, and it's quite clear you look at that squad and Jaggy Elk is the one that stands out. Obviously, they were playing in a World Cup for England, which at the time, it was all Tong though, weren't it? It really was all about Michael Tong, and he was by far the most sort of, even above Brown that season, I think, probably the most valuable player that we had. Yeah, certainly in like the first four or five months, I think. Yeah, um, he, he did. I, I said this to you actually, uh, in private, that I do think he'd lost his way a little bit from about January onwards, and you're thinking, well, that's a young player, you know, he's going to do that. But I don't think he ever got back to the heights that he got to it this season. No, I, I think this was the peak of his career. I mean, it's a, he obviously played for us for several more seasons, including, you know, firing us to well, being a part of that team that got us promoted and. He scored goals in the Premier League, didn't he? Chipped in with a, a couple of goals. Got a, a great free kick against West Ham, for example. But yeah. I don't... Yeah, it, it was a strange one. I think I think we all expected him to just either maintain this level or to, to keep progressing. But I, I think his, his season kind of peaked during this season. But, it, I mean, you know, fair play. It was a hell of a peak. He had it a, was. It was. An unbelievable four or five months. And, he ended you know, up we, in the PFA Team of the Year as well that year. Tong and Brown were the two, two of our picks. So... Uh, very deserved how old was he during the season Can I think we were only 20 uh, I think he was 20 years old that's yeah. 1983 so yeah 1920 yeah 
Um, but yeah, you know, you watch if you watch the highlights video of the season, he won so many penalties, scored goals where he just like dribble round three or four people, so many assists. It was it was just incredibly hard to tackle. Yeah, and uh, yeah, one of the one of the more exciting players. It's I've hard seen to say now because you remember everything that happened with Song after, and you think, yeah, we're a decent player. It's hard to remember how exciting he was when he first came into that team because I think yeah. we were all sort of thinking this guy's. I mean, he were in the England under twenty one squad at one point mm. when he played for us, and you're thinking, yeah, he's going to go on to bigger things, and it just never happened. And he had a decent career. There's no doubt about that. He ended up at Stoke. He didn't really do much there, and obviously went down the divisions. But he was still playing last year at 38 year old. Yeah, good for him. Um, he was also brilliant in the next game. But I think we we had a couple of signings here. We signed Michael Balding. Michael like- Balding, yeah who I can't remember anything about, apart from I saw him score a goal in a League Cup game yeah. uh, on this video. Yeah, uh, And John Harley, this was a return for Harley, I believe? No, no, this time? was the first time we signed Harley. Huh, okay. We signed him, um, we'll obviously come on to it, but he went halfway through the season, then we signed him permanently uh, halfway through the year after, but he was never as good as he was in this, this period where we signed him. Yeah, it's true, it doesn't... I mean, obviously, it's just the highlights, but it doesn't really crop up on the highlights video of the season. Only, but I do remember him being eight games that season for us. How many? Sorry, eight. Wow. Uh, he came. He came on loan uh, around this time, and then by I think it was yeah January, he'd gone. He'd gone back to Fulham. Uh, he played eight games for us. We'd won six and drawn two. We lost none. So we were a massive part of it, and it, and Harley went back. Uh, we couldn't afford him. Uh, we got Wayne Quinn in as a, a replacement. Then he never did anything, and, and ended up with Rob Kosluck at left back, which is a bit, sort of a come down. But he did, I think, that was <laughs> as well. To be fair, sorry, sir. Again, I was uh, laughing. I, I, too sorry, much at yeah, I, I said to be fair to Kosluck, I think that was possibly his best season this this season. He played it a left back sort of role. He, the mm. season before, Kosluck had missed completely because he were out injured. So he'd come back, he were on the bench, getting his way back into it. And I remember him being decent this season, Kozlock. But, yeah, we went from John Harley to Rob Kozlock in the space of about two months. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like Kozlock a lot. He is, uh, he's definitely on my... If I was doing, like, a top five cult heroes in my time watching United, he is definitely on that list. And yeah. we'll, uh, we'll mention him again later on for sure. Um, next game, do you know what? I could not remember this at all. But apparently... We lost 2-0 at Hillsborough on the 1st of September 2002. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I was like, did I even watch this game? I was definitely not at it, um, but it was on Sky. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I just can't remember anything about it. And then when I watched the video, uh, it did come back to me a bit. It reminded there was um, uh, a couple of, uh, might have been last season, when we before we played Wednesday, um, I was on Radio Sheffield with... Um, uh, a couple of Wednesday podcasters, and they, they were sort of asking, like, what's your best Derby memory? And uh, one of them mentioned what turned out to be this game, but I was just looking at them like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Have you just made that <laughs> up? Like, when was that, 1953 or something? But no, 2002, uh, oh, I can't actually remember who scored. Lloyd Owusu and... Coochie. Was it Coochie? Yeah, Coochie. Uh, that, yeah. that was a... We played fantastic in that game. We absolutely battered him, and Pressman had one of his... Pressman games that he kept he keeps having against it kept having against United over that period, but that were another game where Michael Tong were absolutely superb and he was just sort of dribbling past Wednesday players like he'd gone out of fashion and we just missed so many sitters. They were one from Asaba in the second half just before Awusu scored actually, mm. where he's clean through and it's one of the worst finishes I've ever seen. It's 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 soft and high at the goalkeeper, you know, he's everywhere 
any that's exactly where Pressman wanted it, but it that was a blip, I think. I mean, it were awful at the time I was to lose to Wednesday. I do remember the game, but I remember yeah. thinking we played we actually played really, really well that game. You have to remember this we were a really poor Wednesday side though, ended up going down. They were bottom of the league at the time and they ended up yeah. they ended up getting relegated this season. But we didn't deserve to lose that and that's not just me being biased at all. We would we absolutely dominated that game. Oh. And that was uh, it became a bit of a well, I was so frustrating, and uh, it'll it'll crop up again in a, a few months' time on this uh, this season review. But yeah, the the pressman thing was just like, how do you beat this guy? It's just a it, the season before. Walk. Have you seen the season before? We drew nil nil uh, Hillsborough, and he pulled two absolutely incredible saves off. And you're like, who yeah. is this guy? Where was he? Was he taking before these matches? I do like pressman. To be fair, I think he, yeah, I, I never, uh, I never. Yeah, I certainly had more respect for him than a lot of other Wednesday players, but it was so frustrating. Just like how how are you keeping this out? He he was you know he an absolutely fair play respect to him. He, he absolutely played up for these games. I mean, he was a good goalkeeper. Yeah, but he went to another level in these derbies. And yeah, this was another one. Then, as you say, Wednesday scored uh, scored two late goals and uh, and got a win. Um, Although, as you also said, they did end up getting relegated that season. So, yeah. ha ha. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, uh, I, they, they went down on the on the day we secured our playoff place. Actually, always nice. Um, that yeah. was uh, one defeat in the middle of uh, six wins. So six wins from those the next from the seven games. Uh, sandwiching this this Wednesday defeat, uh, we got a big win away at Norwich City, where we uh, we went three 0 up. I think in the first half, actually, yep, three 0 up after half an hour. Uh, made it slightly difficult for ourselves with two goals in the last five minutes, but um, that was big. They uh, they were unbeaten at that point, yep. so seven games into the season, very big away win. I mean, I don't think Norwich finished uh, particularly close to the playoffs, did they? No, no but they at that finished... point, as you said, no, they, were above, they were above us in the league, and that was the first time all season we actually got into the top six when we beat Norwich. Nice. Uh, who scored the goals on that day? It was uh, Michael Brown, Michael Tong, and then I believe Tong won the penalty that Asaba ended up finishing. Yeah, that's we... correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we, we scored a lot of penalties this season. Uh, we also missed one, which, uh, yeah, we'll get yeah, we'll to, that. to that. unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> we will, yeah. Uh, I do want to mention the League Cup, which is obviously uh, a big part of our season. Our first game of that was uh, after this one. It was a 1-0 win over York City. <laughs> John Paul McGovern, who uh, it seems like we only played him in the cups, but he seemed to score quite a few goals for us actually. Yeah, um, I don't know if we got how many he scored in the season. Uh, uh, Bald yeah, Bald got one this season. Uh, sorry, uh, not Baldin. Uh, McGovern. McGovern, sorry, got. Uh, yeah. Give me two seconds. I'm Three goals on the wrong there. page. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he gave us uh, he gave us a wonderful one. He obviously went on to play for Wednesday uh, in the future as well. I don't. I don't remember when we signed McGovern. Has he been here for a couple of seasons at this point? No, he was on loan. It was a signing that we'd made after the season had started, actually. I, I should have wrote that down, I think. But, yeah, we signed him around the same time as, like, just a couple of weeks before Bolden and Arla. Um right. he, he came in for the Walsall game where his debut, and then mm-hmm. by December he'd gone. He ended up at Wednesday. It's a bit of a, bit of a career slump there, unlucky. Um, <laughs> next up was a, a York, another Yorkshire derby, Rotherham at Omen. Now, they, Rotherham were actually... Quite good this season, weren't they? They were. Um, I feel like they were challenging for the playoffs for a, a good chunk of it. They finished well down in mid table, yeah. but I would say what right until like February. They in were... February, they were they were in sixth place. 
Um, we that that's incredible for Rotherham. That if you think about it, it's like mm. they were in sixth place. We played them away from home and we beat them, and that were a, a huge win. Now you think Rotherham away, yeah, yeah, we won two one. But at the time, you know, Rotherham were a genuine playoff challenger for most of the season. Yeah, and uh, we beat them one nil at home. Uh, Peter Unlove getting on the score sheet. Uh, I, maybe we we'll just talk about him quickly here. I thought he was, I thought he was absolutely sensational this season. Yeah. I mean, part of a. A brilliant attack, midfield attack, I suppose, when you ultimately look at it. Ended up with how many goals? Did he get to double figures? He got that season. So I'm on the different page again. Every Ten time goals, yeah. I've been on the different page every time. <laughs> 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 he got eight goals that season, yeah, in the league. Oh, in the league. Ten, league. Alt- ten altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a great return for a winger, really. And he, it, you know, he, he, he were on the transfer list as well, weren't they? Uh, I sort of mentioned that at the start of the season he was put on the transfer list uh, Peter Unlove there's a thing in the first programme where he talks about how disappointed he is and how he hopes to turn Warnock's uh, you know turn him around and uh, take him off the transfer list but and yeah he did do that and then he went back to his old ways unfortunately <laughs> the season after so yeah he had that he's got a hat trick didn't he uh in a five-three win over Cardiff, that's he right. Yeah, season after. yeah. yeah but th- but this year he was uh, really just consistently brilliant all the way through mm. and uh, scored some very big goals and was was part of a yeah exciting team. Um, next game was Grimsby Town at home and kind of significant for um, a player who didn't actually get on the score sheet. It was a two-one win for United. Uh, Grimsby went ahead earlier. Uh, so excuse me, early in the game. Uh, Wayne Allison came off the bench and equalised in the 82nd minute and then a, a brilliant finish from Tong like yeah it's sort of a it kind of ran onto a, a flicked header and just swung his left foot through the ball crashed it past the goalkeeper for a yeah a, an exciting comeback win one of the one of the first kind of late show turnarounds kind of things actually that yeah. became a pattern through the season but the the player who had a, a perhaps the most decisive contribution was one Stephen Cabber who was playing for Grimsby at the mm. time and I can't remember this happening many other times. I'm sure some people will tell me it's happened other times. But um, Caber came off. He played played 90 minutes and then was substituted in injury time. And he received a standing ovation from the United fans yeah. because he'd been so blooming good against us and basically ran the show for Grimsby. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that before. You know, where somebody. It's been so. I guess we've just completely admired how good somebody was, and then yeah, showed it that way. As it happens, he ends up signing for us. Not I long. I wonder after if we this. signed him on the back of that performance. I wonder if he, if we were scouting him at all, or if it was just that performance. Warnock said, "Right, sign him." Because <laughs> I don't, I don't remember us being linked to them. I'm not even sure I'd heard of him particularly no. up to this point. Um, and he would go on to be a very impactful player for us. I just want to try and... Do you know when he signed, actually? Um, he's, it, his debut was the Bradford game, which were in November the 23rd. So, I write, you know, any time in like late November he'd have signed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, we signed him, what's that, a couple of months after that, I suppose. But, yeah, he was, uh, he was fantastic. I was surprised to see, looking back, that he didn't score in the game. In my head, he... No, uh, it was it was Peter Handyside or someone like that. It was One uh, of those, uh... Paul D. Robinson, according to this. Oh, Paul, all right, fair enough. I yeah, But, yeah, I thought Kappa scored in that game, but he didn't. He just gave us a runaround, obviously, didn't he, all game? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice moment of uh, seeing everybody recognise that, I suppose, and then uh, yeah, he ended up signing for us not too far after this. Um, we then had a frustrating. Uh, well, we drew one all away at Gillingham. Uh, 
can't remember who scored. Allison, Wayne Allison again. Wayne Allison, yeah. Um, just quickly on Allison, uh, not a player, as I said, that I was particularly excited about, but gotta say, very, very impactful player for us this season. I think he only had, how many goals did he get? He's got seven goals in twenty-three appearances, which is not amazing, but it's no. not bad either. It's a pretty no. decent return. Um, and he was and the season such after he was decent as well. I was really surprised how many games he played for us. Uh, let me just look this up. But yeah, he, he made his name at like, I always remember him at Tranmere. Mm. Um, yeah, that's obviously who we signed him for. But yeah, he ended up playing 73 games for us. Yeah. Um, he was uh, a very, well, do you know, he's only five. Do you know how tall when Arson was in inches? I'm going to say about five seven foot, foot but. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently, I mean, it's according to Wikipedia. Five foot eleven. No, I'm not having that. Like, no way. Like no way. He's got to be at least six three, six four, surely. Right, come on, Wikipedia. Wait, <laughs> we're going to look this up. But yeah, he was uh, he was unbelievable in the air, um, and you know was a real kind of threat from set pieces, crosses, everything. Uh, yeah, there seems to be some conflicting sources on on his height. I'm not having that. No way, am I having that. Yeah, six six foot uh, six foot one might be a bit more accurate. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go and edit his Wikipedia after this. It was superb um, in the air, uh, but it wasn't just that. It was a hold up player. I remember when we signed Allison. Complete. I think he was on trial first. He got released at Tranmere, and it was another one it, out of all the signings. Probably what this, what are we doing? This is such a an unambitious. Like Wayne Allison, you know, he's like 35 or everywhere, and yeah. he was absolutely fantastic from the moment he came in. I think he made his debut in the first game, but. I think his first start was against uh, Gillingham, that game we just mentioned. Yeah. And then he scored in the game after that against Watford as well. And he was just, he was massive for us all season in, in two ways. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, he played in a lot of the bigger games as well. He wasn't just this guy you'd chuck on, you know, if you were losing, chuck on from the subs bench. He, he started in... Started in all the semi-finals. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, was was certainly involved in a couple of significant incidents. He, he played in, I, I had no idea about this, he played an incredible 752 league games across his career. Yeah. Um, he was still playing in 2008, apparently, which is a an amazing effort. Obviously, nicknamed the Chief. Never forget that. Um, Did you have some information about what wage he was on? Oh, yeah. This is, so this is from his Wikipedia, so this wasn't, there's no citation for this, but. Um, this is, I'm just going to quote here. In July 2002, Allison moved on a free transfer to Sheffield United. Although he'd been offered a better deal at third division side Boston, <laughs> he opted for the challenge of gaining promotion for the first division it. club. Do you know, <laughs> I think this story's true simply because I once saw him in Weatherspoons having a meal. And I don't think you get a Weatherspoons for a meal if you're earning a bit of cash. So, yeah, I think that's true. Oh, dear. No no wrong with a Weatherspoons meal, apart from the <laughs> insane owner, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah anyway, uh, I also, while I was browsing Dr. Wayne Anthony Allison's uh, Wikipedia page, he has a PhD now from uh, Hallam University in, uh, what was this? Where were we? So he was studying the effects of high-intensity exercise on decision-making in soccer, and he received that in 2010. So... Yeah, you have to call him the doctor instead. Yeah, of the smart guy, Wayne Allison. And again, he were he were one of those typical Warnock players of he wasn't the most skillful and he weren't going to get you twenty a season or anything. But you knew you were going to get everything out of him. He was going to leave everything on the pitch, which is easier said than done. I think um, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to say about people who put hundred percent in. But as we know, with certain other players we've seen for United and other teams, it doesn't always happen. Indeed. Uh, he was on the score sheet in the next game as well, which was a, a very frustrating yeah. 2-1 defeat to um, to Watford. Um, 
Chris Foy earned my irritation in this one, and I remember just constantly not liking Chris Foy after this one. Uh, Alison put us ahead, then Foy sent off Jagielka for... Ah, oh, it's such a soft yeah. challenge, isn't it? What on earth is this? He gave a penalty and sent Jagielka off. And it's, um, To be honest, that was another game where we played really well. We went down to 10 men. We were 10 men all the second half. Uh, mm. We were 2-1 down. We absolutely... We were all over. I remember that game. Like, I remember at one point Paddy Kenny almost being in their half, sort of launching a ball into the area because we were that dominant and they were that... You know, they sat back that much. And it was one of those games where I came out after a loss and thought, yeah, I'm disappointed, but we, we really, really played well. And that point, Watford were thought to be one of the team's challenges at the top as well yeah yeah indeed um very frustrating defeat that one i think we've got two uh, conceded two in like a minute didn't yeah. we, after the red card yeah. it's just an absolute sickener all right so uh yeah after that defeat we were six but already 10 points off top and eight points off automatic so it's kind of looking like playoffs at best already at this point after as i say a pretty decent run of form lit up to that watford defeat um we walloped Wickham Wanderers in the League Cup second round, the following games. Quickly check it was on the score sheet there. Michael Bolding with his one contribution. Good goal from Bolding, that. A really good finish from Bolding, to be fair. Yeah, it was a bit slow motion, wasn't it? Just like a proper <laughs> daisy cutter and uh, ended up in the back of the net. Brown on the score sheet. Uh, a rare goal from Nick Montgomery. Um yeah. When, where was Montgomery during most of the season? Was he on the bench? He what? was injured a lot for a lot of the season. He were injured. Um, he came back, um, and then he he was he was in the squad for the first bit of the season. Then he were out injured, and then he hmm. came back against Liverpool. He got a bad injury away at Liverpool in the in the semi final, and he was out again for a long time. And then he came back again towards the end. Okay, yeah, because obviously broke into the team uh, two seasons before. Yeah, you were, were ahead of like Tong and Jagielka. Um, yeah, he'd been in the, the squad for a couple of years and stuff, but this season were a bit of a stop-start one for him, really. Yeah, uh, he came back strong. Was you know really big part of the team that got us promoted uh, a few years later. But um, yeah, anyway, he was on the score sheet in this one. Uh, and Brown but the majority got... of the season, sorry, majority of the season when he did play, he played on the right wing. I remember him breaking into the team as a right winger. Like um, I'm sure he played right wing at Hillsborough in. Uh, he did, in, yeah, yeah. A league, a league cup game. That yeah, we lost. you're right. Yeah, he set the goal up. I think. I think he set Brown's goal. Up. I think you're right there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he was sort of uh, unloved's understudy, which is such a different type of player, unloving Montgomery. But yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, um, uh, a, a really big win in the following game uh, away at Wolves, who. Yeah. We obviously would uh, would come to meet again in the playoffs later in the season. Um, yeah, pr- I mean this this was actually looking back one of the more impressive results in the whole season. I think I do remember um, this game listening to it and me thinking after we we're actually all right. I think before that I was thinking oh yeah it's a good start, but I think beating Wolves away they were one of the favourites that season. Uh, obviously ended up going up as well, but um, yeah, that was a really impressive win. And they all, all the Wolves fans after that game, so I remember listening to 6 or 6 after, they all wanted Dave Jones out, and obviously they kept hold of him, and he uh, he ended up getting promoted. That's a right team, this Wolves one. I'm just looking down yeah, right now. Matt, Matt Murray, very, very good goalkeeper. Jolien Lescott, Dennis Irwin played in this game, believe it or not. Uh, Alex Ray, who'd been at Sunderland a couple of years before. Nathan Blake, ex-Blade. Kenny Miller was brilliant at this level. I remember George and Dar was really good as well. Yeah, Paul, Paul Ince. Yeah, Paul Ince. Yeah. yeah. Dean Sturridge as well on the bench. Very, very strong team. And we went uh, a goal behind a, an own goal by uh, Rob Ullathorne, who was uh, another left-back that we, we didn't mention, actually. But 
Uh, I think he was our first choice left back through most of this first part of the season. He was. He got quite... injured against uh, the next game against Brighton. He got injured, and then he was never seen uh, again, uh, literally ever for United. <laughs> so, <laughs> I always liked him actually. You know, not, uh, just, I not thought a... it was just a steady Eddie, weren't they? I think. Yeah, exactly. Nothing, uh, nothing hugely exciting, but yeah, a, a solid sort of uh, seven out of ten, six yeah. out of ten every week kind of player. Um, anyway, he unfortunately scored an own goal, uh, gave Wolves the lead, and then the second half. Um, Michael Tong, uh, sorry, uh, Tong equalised just for half time. Allison gave us the lead a couple of minutes later, and then Tong a couple of minutes after that with a brilliant strike, just smashed it in from the edge of the area. Three goals in five minutes either side of half time, I believe it was, and um, yeah, a three-one win for the Blades. Somebody called Grant Smith came off the bench for us yeah. in this game. Who I have no idea who that is. He came from somewhere in Scotland the year before uh, and never did anything. <laughs> I think he got one goal actually. Uh, let me just double check this. Oh no, he didn't. I made it up. <laughs> I he scored. He never scored a goal for us. He played one game for us that season in a cup game, and that were it. Like in terms of like a start. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, that was a, that was a really impressive win for us, um, and then we followed it up with a, another impressive away win uh, over newly promoted Brighton. Uh, we were two 0 down in this game and ended up winning four two. We were believe. awful in that game. I, I clearly remember the commentary. Uh, it must have been Edwards saying, "This is a busy." Mm. I don't think he got on with one not that much today, Edwards. But like a lot of people, <laughs> I remember. I genuinely remember like listening to this at home because I, I were off work at this point because I'd, uh, I'd, bro- I'd broke my hand um, in, a, in a in a in a fight. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, such, such as the folly of youth. And um, <laughs> I, I, I were off work for a lot of these sort of games, and I used to like remember like listening to them and going to the matches and stuff. And I do remember like we were awful in that match, and then we just sort of scored four goals out of nowhere in quick succession. I think it would last twenty minutes. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, 2 0 down after 35 minutes. And indeed, 2 0 down going into the 70th minute. Then Brown got one back with a, uh, a bit of a daisy cutter. Asaba equalised in the 77th minute. Uh, and then Asaba hat trick with two penalties in the 86th and 88th. He came off the bench, Carl Asaba. He, was, uh, he only came on in the 59th minute. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ended up getting a hat trick. So, yeah, good job. A little job. bit about just... that in the, the next programme, there were an argument about who would take the penalty. He scored two pens, didn't I? Yeah, uh, and Michael Brown wanted to, he was the penalty taker obviously and he wanted it and they had a bit of a row about it um, and in the programme after Michael Brown still says yeah I'm not right happy about it to be honest but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird that we were starting Alisson with Michael Bolding for just like four or five games yeah. in a row I think I, yeah. I just I don't when you think what kind of came next with uh, United's forward line I suppose I, I just really Ball. don't remember Balding at all I think he, he loved it he always loved the big man little man didn't he Warnock like all the way through his time at United unless he were playing one up from which he, he also liked to do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he, he did like the big man little man sort of thing and I think that was the, the plan with that but he never really he, he praises Balding actually he, he lets him go when we bring Cameron Windass in later and he says, hopefully, you know, there'll be an avenue back for him later on. So he obviously rated him, but... Mm. So, he, so he wasn't on loan then, he was our player? No, no, he was on loan. He was on loan from uh, ah. Derby County. Uh, he was on loan, and then the, he, he went back because we brought Windass and Cabrera in, and he, Bolden got injured, and he never got back into the team. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, 2-1 win over Stoke followed this to make it four wins in a row. Uh, an own goal and another penalty this time, Michael Brown sticking it away. Uh, we had a one-all draw at home to Wimbledon. That's yeah, Wimbledon still existed at this point. This is hard to bring this up. Actually, how many away fans do you think Wimbledon brought to that game? Uh, I would say less than two hundred. Sixty-two. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Honestly, it was 17,000 there, and they brought 62. Uh, well, that's definitely less than... Less than <laughs> yeah, you're right, but yeah, I've never seen... I mean, even in the League Cup, like when we played Wickham, uh, they brought 243. Blimey. Look at this team. This team is brilliant for uh, Wimbledon. They had a really Kelvin good Davis. side, Wimbledon. Really, really good side for a couple of years in that league, but obviously everything that were going off didn't help them. Indeed. Kelvin Davis, uh, Mikhail Legitwood, who played for us in the Premier League, Joby McEnough had a you know, sustained Premier League career, Nigel Rio Koku was like... I don't know if he ever played for England, but he was certainly always in the mix with West Ham. Yeah, yeah. David Connolly, great at the championship. Neil Shipley obviously scored goals that got us promoted a few years later. Patrick Aguimang, really good as well. Yeah, um, yeah, but they yeah, were not that good. Anyway, this is uh, a Saba to the rescue off the bench. Uh, Grant Smith started this one, actually. Oh, is that uh, the game he started? Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, but he <laughs> went off at half-time for uh, a Saba. Um, and yeah, Asaba scored a 90th minute. In fact, I think there was like 10 seconds left. Yeah, it was. Or something that, like that. that is the game time. where Warnock went mad at the fans for complaining. Oh, really? Well, yeah. So what did he say? Can you remember? He just said, like like I said earlier, he just said, I, I don't come into their work and start booing them, which I won't mind it. I'd like that, actually, if Warnock just <laughs> suddenly burst into our work and started booing me, like, you're doing rubbish. But yeah, he, he said that, and it, it, that sort of led into the season after when he, he made his medal all comment. Can you remember that one? No, oh, vaguely, but go on. But I, I, no, I think we won. We beat Derby, I think it was, and he would, mm. and he came on. He goes, "I got my tactics spot on today." <laughs> I just praising himself, and then he said, uh, uh, "Yeah, and if these fans want to boo, why don't they go to Meadow Wall or check it out on the wives?" <laughs> oh God! Yeah. And there's another. There's another one I'll bring up later uh, when we go on a losing streak. But I'll, I'll save that. So yeah, get ready for that. Okay. One. Another good comment from him coming up, actually. All right, cool. Well, let's. Uh, we're, we're reaching the end of this section. We we followed that um, draw with Wimbledon with back to back defeats in the Midlands, uh, a two one loss at Derby with uh, Isel McLeod on the score sheet for Derby. Who would later gone to play for us yeah. after this. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah, that's right. Um, Swap deal Georgie... for Pesky Salido, actually. Say that again, sorry? It, it was a swap deal for Pesky Salida, Isaac McLeod. Ah, no way. Um, Georgie Kinkladzu was playing for Derby, as was Lee Morris, actually. In fact, I think he set up the winner uh, in this game. Mm. Um, Sean Murphy, the defender, got a goal for us. And then we got hammered 3 0 at Forest following that. Um, and uh, yeah, at this point, I think, you know, we're doing pretty well, I think. You know, I think there's, what is that, like eight wins? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it's about yeah. eight league wins, I think, from the we'll first half, 12, 13. Yeah. Right, so, it's, you know, I think that's where possibly slightly better than most people expected us to be, but not really a feeling of, like, this is a, an all-conquering team at no. this point at all. But what came next, I think, definitely kick-started the season and was uh, a very, very exciting evening at Bramall Lane. So we'll take a quick break and then we will talk about that in detail. Quick break to tell you about one of our sponsors. In fact, the first ever sponsor of Blades Pod. I'm talking, of course, about the Den Blades fanzine created by Blades for Blades. The next edition looks at the past and present of United and features two flippable front covers, plus interviews with Michael Doyle, Neil Collins, Seth Bennett, plus tons of great articles and illustrations put together by a very talented bunch of United fans. Just a heads up that, like so much of the country, issue 5 will be delayed slightly due to the coronavirus, but they are still planning to publish the full complement of fanzines over the course of 2020, so do not worry. You can get yours now from denblades.co.uk. Back to the pod. All right, welcome back. Uh, A really huge game at Bramall Lane 
we played Leeds United of the Premier League. A very, um, you know, Leeds have been in Champions League quarterfinals, semifinals a couple of years before. And, uh, you know, they were, I guess the start of the decline for Leeds, but this was still a really massive game at the lane. This is obviously in the uh, the League Cup. Um, and I think it's, it, this is one of those things when I, I sort of thought back to it, I was like, you know, the season didn't really get going until that Leeds game. And then you sort of drill into it a bit. It's like, well, no, we were okay. But actually, after this Leeds game, I think things did really pick up. And we went on a, a hell of a run after this as well. I mean, I don't think we... We didn't actually... So this was on the 6th of November. We didn't lose again in the league until the 1st of February, if you can believe it. That's, that's insane, isn't it? That's, a fan, that's like a wilder run. <laughs> that, that is a brilliant, brilliant run. And there's only three draws in there as well. That was yeah. a lot of wins. Um, but yeah, we were we were playing up against a. I mean, they definitely rested players, Leeds. But uh, oh, we were I mean, a good you side through... though. I'm just looking through it now. You had like Danny Mills, Paul Robinson, uh, Jonathan Woodgate, Lee Bowyer, uh, Nick Barmby, Harry Kewell, Mark Viduka, Michael Bridges come off the bench. You were a good lead side. Very good, managed by um, Terry Venables, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, one of uh, the the first time I'd seen the lane this full since the Coventry FA Cup quarter final. Um, four years before, I suppose. Uh, we were definitely overawed in the first half, I'd say. we I don't remember us really getting near leads at all. Viduka was, Viduka was a brilliant player, wasn't he? But he was like, he was like a, a grown man playing amongst children, just like shoving people aside when he's dribbling past him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought we... I just I didn't think we had like any sort of chance particularly at all in the in the first half, and we went behind um, a Steve Yates own goal, a magnificent finish from Yates yep. who just uh, you know just basically roofed it into his own his own goal from uh, in front of the Leeds fans. Yeah, not <laughs> it's not a good bit of defending at all. I don't, no, I don't totally no, know what he's trying to do. About after. Uh, on the on the video, Warnock uh, laughs about it. Oh, great for it. I thought, yeah, you wouldn't have been laughing if we'd have lost. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. Um, and yeah, then then just like uh, one of the the kind of most memorable few minutes in United's modern history, I suppose. Yeah. Like you know, it still still gets talked about to this day. Um, we had put on Peter on Love and Paul Pesky Salido at this point. Uh, we're obviously chasing an equaliser, not really getting anywhere. But then a cross gets headed out to Phil Jagielka playing at right back, and yeah, he brings it down on the chest, about thirty-five yards out, and just cracks smashes it, it. <laughs> cracks it indeed. As uh, was it Paul Walker, I think, doing the commentary. On yeah, that? I think that's probably the best commentary, the most iconic commentary of, the, of modern times. I think certainly from Radio Sheffield. Uh, yeah, just, unbe- just unbelievable scenes. I was there, like back of the cop, and it, you thought the game had gone, didn't you? Because as yeah. you said, we were better in the second half. We put them under a lot of pressure without really creating loads and loads and loads. Ninetieth minute, you're thinking, but you know it's over. And then just the, the way the goal happened, like that. I mean, it was this is Jaggy Elker, who's just a young lad, you know, twenty year old or something. He'd only been in the team for for a short while. Just a whack it from there. It's like a ridiculous goal. Yeah, it's it's almost one of those where it's like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you shooting from there? That's an insane place to shoot from. But it just arrows it in past Robinson, who is, um, if not at this point, but certainly in the next few years, England's goalkeeper. Mm. And yeah, an unbelievable strike. It just, as you say, it just came out of 
Yeah, I think it just. Sh- I remember just being shocked. Yeah, because like, I, I really liked Jagielka, but he was not a prolific goal scorer. No, and he played at right um, back at the time. He went in midfield. He were he were at right at yeah. that point. But yeah, an, an unbelievable strike, and yeah, just I think we're all just completely stunned, I guess. And uh, yeah, then it got it got even more stunning. Pesquisolino, as I said, had come on, and he he dribbled into the box, got on the end of a through ball. It gets it gets worked square for Undlov, who runs onto it. I think he kicks it off Allison actually, like in front of the goalkeeper, yeah. and it ricochets back to Undlov. He slides it into the net. It's two goals in injury time. Pitch invasion. Pitch invasion, yeah. Everyone's not yeah. happy about that. So the few idiots ruined it. It's like, come on. Oh, it's so annoying. And, uh, and the programme <laughs> after he said, oh, a few idiots ruined it for us by invading the pitch. Like, shut up, or not. That was like an incredible like release of emotion. Yeah, it really was. It was, yeah, you know, probably our best moment as a club since, yeah, since that Coventry game, which was four years, four and a half years earlier, in yep, fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, Leeds fans not happy at full time, ripping up the seats in the Bramall Lane up at I remember uh, like a, a line of police horses on the pitch after the game, which I've I've not seen since. I don't think. Yeah, well, the bo- yeah. the bottom tier wasn't sold for purposes of like the police, you know, because we could mm. there were twenty six thousand there, but it was a sellout because the bottom tier wasn't allowed to be to be filled and probably for for the best if they were ripping seats out and throwing them on people. To be honest, yeah, and I think. Hmm. Was G and H block in the South Stand closed for this at this point? I think that happened later. I think that happened after the Wednesday game where someone threw oh, a firework. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're I think right. That, yeah. Uh, I love how that that story. I mean, it's not it's not a funny sort of situation, but I love how that story sort of now is. This guy sort of aimed for this ten year old girl, like with the best shot ever with a firework. But yeah, I think it was a bit later on in the season that uh, that that got closed. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. Um, unbelievable drama, as the commentator described it. Just a, a phenomenal finish to that game. Like, you know, a few years earlier, we obviously witnessed Man United with the the turnaround at um, in the Champions League final, and this was our our mini version of it, I suppose. And yeah, I just I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, I it was the first time I'd seen us play Leeds. I'd love to know when the last time we had played them was. I guess it would have been it must be the Premier League where we Premier League. Yeah, I think so. it would have been, yeah, it'd have been the two-two draw at home where Brian Dean scored for Leeds. Oh right, okay. So what's going back? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, an amazing night um, or an amazing finish of the night, I suppose. And yet more late goals. This is a, you know the kind of it, it was definitely building this narrative at this point of. We're not beaten, even if it took a yeah. sort of absolute, almost once in a lifetime thunderbolt. Let's be fair to Jack Elker, he uh, he scored quite a few goals uh, from distance for Everton, I think, as well, and he scored in a, yeah. a derby at Anfield. I remember seeing that one. But it wasn't like he wasn't known for his long range. It wasn't Michael Brown, were he? You know, that's what was sort of no. you know incredible about it. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, any any. Further thoughts on the Leeds game, or is that? A... I think like it was just one of those things that that where you look back and it's a third round game against you know a, a, not not the best Leeds side they've ever had. They weren't top of the league or anything, but like you say, it was just something the, the way it happened and everything, and the fact that we're a Yorkshire derby is Leeds, and I think that was, I think that was that was the first time the goal music started, the Tom Hawk goal music. No, that was later. That was the next round of the was Cup, that, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I don't know. Everything just seemed to change, I think, after that game. I really do. There was such a, 
a belief about the club. I mean, the next game we ended up drawing nil nil with Ipswich at home, so maybe not, maybe not immediately <laughs> evident. But I do think that was just like one of those, like you say, one of those nights that you'll you'll stick with you. And I can't really work out why it's a third round Worthington Cup match. You know, it's not. This is not really Leeds, yeah, when it was a. We beat Leeds in the way that it happened and everything. Um, yeah. And I remember like listening back to that uh, commentary. I remember recording it on um, on, on a, the old play and record thing on my ghetto blaster, <laughs> and uh, rewinding it and like sort of playing the commentary back for it because they played it on the uh, football Evan on the on the the day after, and just listening to it over and over and over again. Nice, yeah, iconic commentary. And actually, there was a lot of iconic commentary in this season. I think you mentioned this later on, actually, in the notes, but. Uh, in contrast to ninety seven, ninety eight, we were on TV a lot yeah, this season. We really were. Um, obviously, a product of being in uh, the cups for so long as well. But yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of iconic moments uh, c- commemorated, I suppose, by brilliant commentary. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely uh, hat tip a few more of those as we go. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, a nil nil draw with Ipswich in the next game. But then uh, two signings happened around this time. Yeah, one was Steve Cabot. The other one was Dean Windass, yes. who. Was signed? Was he signed from Bradford? No, he was on for Middlesbrough. Oh, okay. He'd actually beaten um, Wednesday the season before uh, on loan, uh, Windass. And I don't know what I think he got injured at Wednesday, and then um, yeah, he went back to Middlesbrough. This is the Middlesbrough team. I want to say, I think was, I think Steve McLaren was manager. Um, and they went on these European, or they were about to do that anyway. It was a good Middlesbrough side. around then, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then Windass obviously couldn't get in the team and we signed him, and he got off like a house on fire. He scored three in his first four. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean, he, he. I guess he's, I always associate him with uh, with Bradford anyway. I suppose Hull is, uh, yeah. Yeah, he did play, he did play. Yeah. Yeah, okay, he did play a lot of games for Bradford. He played for them before and after it was actually um but yes we we went to Bradford with uh with Windass making his debut and both him and Cabber had scored on their debuts inside 40 minutes the program is after that they think that's the first time that's ever happened they're not completely sure but they think that's the first time two debutants have, have scored on the same day for us interesting um that's not including because obviously new signings in pre-season have actually played uh, friendlies or whatever before. This is the first time in a professional, you know, the two people start a professional game uh, and not play for us at all before in any capacity and scored. Ah, good, uh, good thinking. Um, there's a ridiculously crap bit of commentary that I want to mention on the uh, on the season <laughs> review video, which I, I assume is uh, like Bradford's. Uh, official commentary. That's what which I was getting from it. He certainly weren't happy, anyway. <laughs> yeah, just a, a really bored guy who just goes, Windass, Gabba, 1 0, <laughs> Windass, Gabba. Yeah. That's it. That's the That's whole it. commentary. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it is Windass and Gabba linking up um, for yeah Gabba to get the opener. Windass made it two. Sean Murphy scored another goal uh, in the second half. Michael Brown with a penalty, and then Asaba yet again on the score sheet. Um, I should say X played Goose Ulimbi yeah. got sent off as well in oh, this game. Tackle for from Ulimbi as well. <laughs> it, w- it weren't great, were it? I liked uh, I liked Ulimbi, yeah. but uh, yeah, that was a bit silly. Very impressive five nil away win. Um, and suddenly, yeah, suddenly things are pretty exciting because we've got these two new strikers. They've both scored. Cabber, obviously, everyone's on a bit of a high from for. Uh, that Grimsby performance earlier in the season. Windass was a, I think, a pretty proven goal scorer mm-hmm. at this level. I mean, his, his career, yeah, it's not, 
you know, you sort of I'm looking at his previous previous spells. You know, he only got three and thirty seven for Middlesbrough, and then I think he didn't a score fairly for big Wednesday. name in a, in a sense. We're not not you know, I'm not talking like a, a Ronaldo or a Rooney or anything at the time, or whatever. But I think he was a big name in terms of it being around. He's got a lot of goals in the lower leagues and things like that. And yeah, mm. I, I remember being fairly excited by the signing. Yeah, he was uh, he was a big guy as well. He was. Yeah, <laughs> just. Uh, it, every time he scored, he took his shirt off and he always had a vest underneath yeah. and just looked like he was ready to knock someone's lights out, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, immediately after this, uh, we beat Palace 2-1 at home. In my head, Palace were a Premier League team this season. It, um, they were, again, it. another one of Warnock's. They're going to be up there after that. <laughs> after, yeah. <laughs> I think that game always, like, I think that strikes me as what had happened to the striking options at that point. Windass and Cabba started, obviously. But on the mm. bench and, tr- and tricky Trevor Francis, who was Palace manager after uh, at the time, said after that, you know, United substitutions were the reason they won it, and they didn't have the, sub- the, the, the substitutions to change the game like we did because Wayne Allison come on, uh, come off the bench and scored the winner. Uh, but we mm. also had like Pescasolido, Anasaba, three, you know, who, what two months previous were our first choice strikers of coming off the bench for Cabra and Windass, and obviously won us the game. Yeah, we we haven't mentioned Pesky Salido much actually. Was he? I think it was his injured. He was injured. Season. He was injured for most of that beginning of the season. He was in and out of the squad. But I don't think he started a game uh, for a long, long, long time. To be fair, up until mm. oh, I don't. I think the first game, just looking at this, that he started that season was. Uh, I reckon it was probably after the League Cup game with Palace. It was Cheltenham at home in the FA Cup? Yeah, wow. which is that was his is first it? start. He'd been in and out injured. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Karen Brady, of course. Yeah, weird, weird. I always Poor thought that guy. were a really weird part. A really nice guy <laughs> and Karen Brady. <laughs> <laughs> strange, uh, strange mix. Um, but yeah, Pesky Salido was uh, very decisive contributions in this season. And yeah, you're right. That's uh, suddenly, you know, you look at that team now and you've got, as you say, Alice and Pesky Salido and Asaba coming off the bench. Tong, Brown, Caber, Unlove, Windass starting the game suddenly this this side looks transformed it really does and yeah we we rattled off some great results after this but the the next one was another league cup game and it was against a premier league team albeit a struggling premier league team i believe but sunderland at home and i i seem to remember really comfortably beating sunderland Do, have I, am i wrong on that can you remember differently the, that sunderland team was managed by howard wilkinson um and were bottom of the league and a th- 90% sure they went down that season, am I right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I need to check that. But yeah, I, I remember us being comfortably the better team. Yeah, we, it didn't seem like a, a Premier League versus a first division team at all. I think it looked like we were, you know, the, the we, we saw, yeah, we cruised it. I don't, I didn't have the big game feeling, I didn't feel that, that match, neither as the Leeds one did. Obviously, it's different because it's the Yorkshire uh, the connection with Leeds and stuff. But I think at the same time, we, I th- sort of expected us to beat them. Yeah, I, I think I think you've nailed it there. Yeah, it was actually a bigger crowd than the Leeds game. I assume because the more more. I was of the about to mention our crowds were absolutely awful. Really, uh, in the league, we had sixteen thousand against Palace, fifteen thousand against Ipswich, seventeen mm. against Wimbledon, fifteen against Stoke. It were only really towards the latter end of the season that they started picking up, and even then, we we didn't really break the, the twenty thousand mark much, which is weird. I mean, I think this season is the season arguably that gave us the, the the support that we've got now. I think we've got a lot of people on board due to this season and our fan base grew because now you can't imagine like being third in the league and just getting 20,000, can you? 
No, not exactly. I mean, it is, yeah, I guess it is 18 years ago, mm-hmm. slightly different era, I suppose. But yeah, you're right. Um, two goals in two minutes in the second half. Murphy knocked one in on the line and uh, the Chief made it 2-0. I feel I feel like we did this a lot during the season where we'd score like a couple of goals in a couple of minutes. Yeah. And I, I think that... I think that also contributed to this feeling of we're never beaten. We, you know, we there's that old uh, saying in it only takes a minute to score a goal. Yeah, and yeah we we very much uh, lived up to that, and that we could just get a couple in two or three minutes. So, yeah, that was uh, it. Was a pretty comfortable win, I thought. I, yeah, as you say, I kind of expected us to uh, to do it, and uh, and so we did. Uh, through to the quarter final at that point of the League Cup. And we got um, a really good draw because I think every other team left in it were um, a Premiership club other than us and Palace, and we ended up getting Palace at home. Mm, yeah, pretty much perfect that. Yeah. Uh, got a nil nil draw at Leicester, um, who obviously ended up getting promoted that season, so a good point yeah. there. Uh, and won 2 0 at Reading, who also made the playoffs that season. Um, I think Windass and John Harley with the yeah, goals. Yeah, John right, Harley yeah, and Windass. Yeah, and I think that was Windass's last game, I think. And, and then he went back to Millsborough on his loan. And Warnock in the uh, programme note said, uh, just bear with me, said, did write this down. Um, I can't find it. But he said something along the lines of, uh, we've tr- we tried to keep him, but we couldn't afford him, so we're going to look elsewhere. And that's, you know, when you think, particularly in contrast to now when we're spending like 20 odd million pounds on a player, that's incredible that we yeah. couldn't afford to extend someone's loan. And a player who I think what he scored three and four three games and four, at that yeah. point for us. Yeah, he played four games for us, got three, and then went back to Middlesbrough. Yeah, and he would return later in the season, although was was less impactful. There's nothing about because he signed as well permanently. He were already on loan obviously in the first bit and then he signed permanently so I don't know what changed. I don't know if like you know the board, McCabe or whatever just stretched out sort of that little bit extra because we were doing well or if something completely changed but Warnock in the programme now seems to think there were absolutely no chance of his signing in. Very, very strange indeed. The next game was the the League Cup quarter-final against Crystal Palace as you mentioned and yeah, I, I actually this game was harder than the Sunderland game, and where did, where did Palace finish this season? Um, they, uh, 14. Yeah, but they, they were they should have been a lot higher. I think Francis got sacked end of this season, uh, so or, or maybe even through the season. I'm not sure, but they were they were one of the favourites for promotion, according to Warnock, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we swept aside Palace in the end. Um, I, I just remember it being more competitive than the Sunderland game. Yeah, I, I'm about to um, say you say that, but I remember when we got to one-one, Palace really put us under pressure, and the Pesky Salido his first goal. Um, that was against the runner play, and we were a mile offside as well. Yeah, not off. Um, yeah, so Sarva gave us the lead, and then uh, it was a Sean Murphy own goal actually uh, in the 82nd minute, equalised for Palace. Uh, and then Pesky Salido came off the bench in a couple of minutes after this. It took him all of two minutes to give us a lead. Yeah. As you say, yeah, it was absolutely... I mean, it's incredible. It sort of... I can't remember who it is, but somebody on the left guy. It might be Unlove, maybe, but it kind of swings in a... It is a cross, but the only thing I can think of is that the linesman and referee decide Pesky Salido didn't touch it because he's like four or five yards offside. And he very definitely touches it. Yeah. So he heads it to the net. And it's another one of those um, that we score again straight after. Yes, exactly that. So he'd been on the pitch two minutes, he scored, and then uh, he runs through onto a, a flicked header two minutes later and uh, stabs it into the net. So two goals in four minutes for him, we ended up winning 3-1. And yeah, this was the start of Tom Hark, the goal music. Was that music where he started that- then? 
I'm 90% sure this was the beginning of it. Um, and it wasn't actually used for the first goal. Possibly, in fact, I'm not even sure it was used for the second goal. I think it was the third one. Because I remember being like, oh, you know, that how funny. Cause I, I can't remember. Maybe Burnley used to play it or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we used to play the professionals, which I think was used actually in this game as well. Um <laughs> And yeah, Tom Hark came to be quite uh, ubiquitous. Because we used to sing Peter Unlove to it, didn't we? Yeah, I... in the program notes actually, there's a there's a fan section like on all the other, you know, when they pick the most positive notes out of the area, what people say on the message board, and uh, people call it the Peter Unlove song. He's not known as Tom Hark. Interesting. I'm yeah. I'm, someone might correct me on this, but this was certainly the first time I can remember hearing it mm. at United game and. Yeah, as I say, it came became very synonymous with this season, and probably to the point of cringe. Really, I mean, I certainly, uh, I certainly enjoy us not having goal music now and being a bit more spontaneous. I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm always a bit resistant to that kind of thing. I mean, Norwich still have it, the don't moment, they? They still have that, da, 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 and I just think, no, you should be relegated for that alone. To be honest, <laughs> is that Norwich? Yeah, Norwich still have goal music. Yeah. Yeah, I guess quite a few teams do, but yeah, just this is uh... it's so so like. 20 years ago <laughs> yeah i gotta say in the moment it was like yeah i'm uh, i'm completely on board with this and uh, yeah i'm pretty sure this is where tom hark first appeared um that puts into the semi-finals of the league cup for the first time in our entire history apparently um so yeah morning, good, uh... since, aren't we, under cloth? Mm, oh yeah of course against uh oh, against spurs um pesky salido's first goals of the season um and yeah his uh his final one of the season was uh, was particularly impressive. I love um, I just like to just mention that I absolutely. I, we did, I got tagged in something actually where you asked me to do my top top five players who meant something to me, and I, I forgot about Pesky Salido, but he'd be in there. I absolutely loved Pesky Salido. Not necessarily as the best player or anything like that. Not necessarily like what I to start every week, but just his attitude and his enthusiasm and everything like that. I absolutely love watching him play. Yeah, it's, it's a hard sort of striker to describe, really, but mm. just sort of like. It just kind of buzzed around, didn't yeah. it? It's just, just constantly, just finding space, dribbling at people. I just got you know, the feeling wasn't... he loved football. I got the feeling he loved being on the pitch. You were our substitute goalkeeper as well, weren't he, for a while? Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, actually, yeah. When we signed Gary Kelly later on in the season for a backup, and he said, "Well, we can't keep because Jack Elko were injured or suspended or something." He goes, "Well, we can't." He's being genuinely serious, Warnock in the nose, and he says, "Like, I just don't feel like we can rely on Pesca Slido as a backup goalkeeper if we get in the playoffs." He's like, "Well, probably not. He's about three foot." So <laughs> <laughs> I do remember uh, it might have been the next season, um, Macclesfield away at half time. He was um, yeah, in the League Cup. He was like. Basically, all the players were messing about half time, and he went in goal, and they were just, yeah, they were just doing like penalties against him. And a fan ran on and uh, <laughs> took a penalty against Pesky Salido, like took it completely seriously. You know, he made everybody <laughs> stop and let this fan take the penalty. He of course smashed it past him, and then uh, managed managed to start doing the worm goal celebration before before <laughs> Stewart's got, got footage of this. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know if he didn't, if this had been like ten years later, there'd be uh, there'd be loads of videos of it. But no, no, I was there, and I can tell you that definitely Brilliant. happened. Um, so after that League Cup win, uh, with a one nil win over Preston at home, Graham Alexander with an OG. And we won at Walsall, um, so it is possible to do. It is possible to beat Walsall. I went to that game. Furthermore, 
Did you? Ah, yeah, we were down to 10 men. This is on Boxing Day. Probably the um, worst pitch I have ever seen. Uh, and I mean that. Really? I genuinely think it's the worst pitch I've ever seen football played on. And uh, John Harley got sent off, which weren't his last game. His last game was the one after, but then he never played for us for the rest of the season. After that, went back to Fulham. But an unbelievable goal from Brown, especially with the conditions. I think if you not if you haven't watched that game, it just looks like a good goal. If you, I obviously I were there. You couldn't control a ball or anything. For him to score a goal like that, unbelievable. Yeah, it was, uh, it was left foot as well, right? I think left foot just sort of uh, smashed it in from twenty odd yards into the far corner. I believe that's right, unless I'm thinking of a different game. Um, but yeah, Brown, what was this? You hit me with this stat at the start, actually. Um, how many goals did he score from outside the uh, area? Ten, ten goals he scored from outside the area, which is put into context by the fact that the second person, who is Phil Mulrain, who we were talking about earlier, he's, he's in second place with four. He was unbelievable that season, Michael Brown. And uh, yeah, that was that was just the latest instalment in, uh, in his very good goals. And uh, yeah, he gets... Uh, it's got a, another pretty good one coming up, actually. Um, so that was on Boxing Day. We beat Walsall. Uh, we we were third in the league at this point and only six points off second with a game in hand. So looking up, I mean, you know, I just want to... Where are we here? So we've got... Uh, we've followed this with a home... A nil-nil draw at home to Coventry. nil draw at Coventry. But I, that were a frustrating one, that. We, we absolutely... We were all over them, but Coventry defended well. And I always remember Gary McAllister was their manager, and he went mental at the end, like as if it, they'd won the World Cup. And it were like, well, we've arrived then, because if you're going that mad about getting a draw at Bramall Lane, and it, it did feel like that point we were genuinely considered as one of the best sides in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, FA Cup gets started here. We're into uh, into January. Um, Cheltenham Town, as you said, uh, a 4-0 win for the Blades. Sean Murphy again, John Paul McGovern, and two goals from Steve Cabber. Very, very comfortable win into the fourth round there. And then we have the first leg of the League Cup semi-final, which we will get onto after this break. All right, one more break to tell you about another of our sponsors. I'm talking, of course, about Beer 52. Beer 52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to Bladespod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com slash Bladespod, sign up and cover the 4 95 for postage, and they will send you a case of eight free beers. Not just any beers, Beer 52, the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. They do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Now back to the podcast. What's going to happen next? Who knows? Look for favourably here for Brown. this when you watch the ball with a concentration as Michael Brown does on this then you accept all the rewards because they'll all come your way watch this there's no danger it's bouncing around Monk gets it away all he can do Monk is head it towards Michael Brown look at the technique look at the strike it's absolutely beautiful look at the celebration so next up for the Blades, uh, it was the first leg of the League Cup semi-final. The mighty Liverpool coming to Bramall Lane. I mean, 
should say they're, they're not as mighty as they became maybe three years later and certainly not the Liverpool that they are today, but still a really, really good Premier League team, obviously. Um, possibly Michael Tong's finest finest hour, finest moment this night, I think. Yeah, I think this um, is his peak of his career. I think so. And, and against the team, as he said earlier, that he'd, he'd been linked with around this kind of time, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I remember a lot of Liverpool rumours, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they were before this game. Oh yeah, they were. Um, yeah, he were, he were linked, I think I was sort of expecting him to go this January, actually. Yeah, um, I mean, we were one nil down after 35 minutes. Neil Mellor um, flicked in uh, from a free kick. That's Paddy Kenny in his, but, in his jammed bottoms as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that looks so weird, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, those tricky bottoms. Um, but I remember us being pretty competitive in this game. Um, you know, without having too many chances, there were there was one Allison like flicked over and onto the roof of the net. Um, I think Brown had one from the edge of the area that um, he probably should have done a bit better with it. It kind of straight. Yeah, we definitely played well. We we the goal that Mellor scored. We weren't against the run of play, but it was a bit of a sucker punch because we'd started so well. And you're thinking, mm. oh, you know, it was away goals counted then. I don't know if this all count in the League Cup anyway. But um, and you think, oh, well, this is going to be difficult now. But you know, brilliant from from us for, to sort of come back in the way that we did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, 76th minute. Um, I think it's it's a McCall like winner tackle, and it kind of runs yeah. through to Tom. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Tong's bursting forward and just uh, just smashes it. Oh, no, sorry, it's a pass from McCall. I'm thinking of the Wednesday cover thing where he tackles. This is an oh, absolutely yeah, incredible right. pass from McCall, actually, yeah. He sort of he, he sort of dummies it, so, so it looks like he's going to pass one way, then plays amazing ball into Tong. Yeah, Tong's running into the box, and he uh, yeah smashes it past Kirkland to make it one-all. Um, and immediately, we're, we're straight back on the attack. This is another example of us... You know this incredible momentum that we had, um, and just six minutes later, um, we win a corner. It gets cleared out to Tong on the edge of the area, and uh, I, I don't know how many times I've watched this goal, but it's, it's so so glorious. He has one touch ostensibly to set himself, but he is to he makes it look like he's about to hit it first time. Carragher buys the dummy big time and goes just goes flying out of yeah. picture. So Tong just takes a touch round him and just smashes it in from the edge of the area into the bottom corner. Incredible. The no- I wish I'd been at this game. Uh, I couldn't get a ticket. Um, I watched it on yeah, Sky. Yeah, but... I, I did my shins in because we were sat on the... Uh, what's it called? The cross from the family stand. I don't even know what they're called anymore. But, <laughs> uh, but I was sat on that stand and they had wooden seats. Can you remember the wooden seats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember like we scored and I like it was so close and I like banged my shins. I had like, cuts all over my shins after that second goal. But uh, unbelievable moment that because... It felt like we were, we could go on and get another because it was just like it, it, all the momentum were with us, and I don't think Liverpool did anything after that goal. No, and uh, was this the game where was there some Warnock and yeah Honsh, Honsho? No, 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 the Honsho in the second leg. This one was where uh, Warnock told Phil Thompson "f off, Pinocchio." Um, <laughs> And everyone went mad, uh, and he sort of and Warnock says in his book that he did it to try and disrupt Liverpool's sort of tactics from the bench, which is just so Sunday League, isn't it? It's like sort of you've never. It's like going so much back to like remember John Beck at Cambridge. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he, he built a dugout in the corner flag so the opposition couldn't see the other end of the pitch. Uh, and it was just reminded me of that. So Sunday league, we were like just trying to rile the entire Liverpool staff up so he could, uh, yeah, so he could like sort of uh, get an advantage. But yeah, half time he brought, I think I'm right in saying it, half time in that game, the game sort of changed a little bit. He brought, yeah, that's right, he brought Monty on. Uh, mm, went, for a sub, yeah, yeah. yeah, and went like sort of five in midfield. And Monty was fantastic in that match and it really changed everything around for us. Yeah, amazing, uh, amazing win, as I say, Tong's finest moment. Uh, Gary Sinclair is still doing the uh, announcement now, and he was doing it there. He went a little bit OTT at full time with his uh, two quality goals from a quality player, which you can hear on the video. But, yeah, in his defence, it was our best moment. And I must say that uh, at that moment, country. Tong did look like he was going to be on to, to be an England international. That sounds a bit... Dark. Genuinely. Yeah. It sounds stupid now, but genuinely did think he was going to go and play for England in the next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we all thought he was going to end up at like a proper big club, Liverpool, Man United or something like that. So it sounds daft now. It's like, it was Michael Tong, you idiot. But at the time, it, yeah. we, we had massive expectations for him because of how well he was playing. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and that was, I mean, what a win that is to beat Liverpool at home. You know, obviously a historic team, a really, really good team, as I say. You know, Gerard, uh, Carragher at their peak, I'd say, in their prime. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of, uh, Ger- Maybe Gerard's prime came a few years later, to be fair. Danny Murphy, everyone's favourite pundit, was very good. El Hadji Juve, good. Smeetzer as well. Herpia was a phenomenal defender in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, hit- yeah, I'm going with Herpia. Sorry, even if it is Hippia. Hippia, whatever. <laughs> oh, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people call him Herpia. Um, yeah, so an unbelievable win. But I just want to... This three-game stretch here that's to introduce this section, I wonder if we've had a better three-game stretch in our history um, in terms of impressive or historic results, I suppose. Because the next game is a 2-1 win at Portsmouth, which, all right, you might be like, well, you know, so whatever, it's, it's only Portsmouth. They're now in, like, well, they're down in League One now, but they've been in League Two. But they ran away with the league. They only lost six games all season, 98 points, as I said, and we, we went and completely outplayed them in this yeah. game. Um, I mean, we only won 2-1, but I I watched that game and thought, we're as good as them. You know, we're probably not going to finish above them because they're way ahead of us at that point. But it did make me think we are... You know, we are genuinely one of the best teams yeah, in the league this season. I think at that point, I was getting a bit giddy about automatic. Uh, I think that because mm. we were on such a run, we were we beat Liverpool, we beat Leeds, we were outplaying proper outplaying teams as well. And that, I said that Portsmouth team were absolutely superb. And that I think this bit, this January, as you said, was the peak of the entire season in terms of uh, how well we were playing. I think that was the the peak of the performances. We were on Sky four games in a row against Liverpool, Portsmouth Wednesday, and then Liverpool again. And I think we sort of became... I won't say we become a neutrals favourite, because I don't think you can ever can if you've got Warnock as manager, but I think that you were, we, we sort of... A lot of team... A lot of, like, neutrals sort of started taking notice of Sheffield United for the first time since probably we were in the Premier League. I mean, we were excited. Yeah. Our games were exciting because, yeah, we always looked like we were going to score goals and, you know, goals from all areas of the team. I think I noted this down um, further down here, actually. But, yeah, we... We ended up with uh, four players in double figures. Tong got eight, Allison seven, Pesky Salido seven, Windas seven. It was just goals from all over the shop, basically. And um, yeah, Brown and oh, Undlove gave us the lead, sorry. And then Brown with uh, another late goal for us, 87th minute, cancelling out Gary O'Neill's 
equaliser to give us a, a really, really impressive Perhaps win. Shaka Hislock, um, that, by the way. Shaka Hislock ring off for Portsmouth. And at the end of the, the last one of the last programmes, they're going th- they asked the United players about who their player of the season is. And Paddy Kenny said, well, I saw like Shaka Hislop got it. I don't, see, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> Did it rate him, Paddy Kenny? But... Shaka was a right player. Yeah. yeah. Um, the third game of this three-game stretch was, of course, Sheffield Wednesday at home. Um, one of the best derby games, I think. This it's, it's the best one I've seen in person. I mm. think. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to remember if this is 100 percent accurate. But I was so confident going into this one. You know, like I would say for the last what, however long we've been playing Wednesday again, four seasons, three seasons, I've been an absolute wreck before yeah. every single one of them. But this one, I was properly champing at the bit. Like, just bring it on! Cannot wait. And obviously dictated by league position, although. That you know didn't really factor into the first game, it's, but I was so so confident. This was a terrible Wednesday team. There's no getting away from it. They had, I mean, look at their lineup for that. They were Pressman, Geary, Maddox, Monk, Westwood, Johnson, Powell, Daryl Powell. I can't remember him at all. Alan Quinn, Carl Robinson, Mikel Dipiede. I've not I've heard that name for ages. Oh, I do remember yeah, that name. Shefty Kucha, yeah. and they brought on Leon Knight off the bench. Oh no wonder they went down. I mean that that were that they really were a poor Wednesday side. Yeah, although it should be should we should point out that two of that side did go on to play for United very successfully they were good, in the next few years. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously the players out that Kevin Press were obviously a really good player for him. Um Shefty Kucci were a decent you know, he were alright as a as a big yeah, centre forward and yeah. stuff. But you're looking at people like Alan Johnson and Daryl Powell and Gary Monk were a poor player at that point, really like past his best. Danny Maddox, he were Really poor Wednesday side. Yeah, I completely forgot that uh, Monk ever played for Wednesday, yeah. actually. Um, obviously, he's their manager at the moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was not particularly good in this game. Um, I mean, I, th- I think we'd refer to this as the Michael Brown derby. Yeah. And, and, you know, up before that intervention, I suppose, it probably would be the Kevin Pressman derby yet again. Because, yet again... It was unreal. That first half, we, we attacked the cop in the first half. I remember this it was on a Friday night, this game, wasn't it? Which is, I guess we've played a few Friday night derbies since, but I do remember at the time being like, whoa, that's a bit risky, isn't it? Playing this on a Friday night. I remember from a, that, a yeah. I, I remember going to a gate crasher after uh, and expected it to be absolutely rammed. It was dead. I don't know. Like, I'd really, I always remember that, thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. And it was sort of like, we, we only say we had a couple of drinks because I think the emotion of the, I, I get this quite often with big games. You win and you want to celebrate, but you're sort of def- not deflated. You're sort of just drained, aren't you, after a big game? Yeah. So, yeah, I remember having a couple of drinks after that and town being dead, but, yeah, yeah it was weird to have it on a Friday night. But then again, we had one, didn't we, last couple of seasons ago on a Friday. Yeah, maybe we were on such good behaviour that yeah. night that, uh, well, no. Well, well one did throw fireworks. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not. It's true, yes. Um yeah, we attacked the cop in the first half, and uh, yeah, Pressman was was at it again. I mean, there was I, I can't remember who it is, but there's one moment where he makes it like a double save where he pushes one onto yeah. the bar, and yeah, I, I was sat on the cop that night. And just I just couldn't believe my eyes. Almost. I remember laughing. And, you know, I remember laughing out loud. I went with like a couple of mates, and I turned around when he pulled like I think I think it was the save from Unlove where you know he heads. Is it Unlove? Is it when it's Unlove? It's, it's Cabo. Oh, it's Cabo. Sorry, Cabo. Sorry. Yeah, he, he heads it and uh, he pulls it. And I genuinely remember that moment. Turned around, just laughing, saying, "What? How is he doing this?" <laughs> yeah, how are we supposed to beat this guy? Yeah. We absolutely smashed him in that first yeah. half. We're going at nil nil, and we come out, and Alan Quinn runs through the United defence in the 47th yeah. minute and slides it into the net. I mean, 
I think Wednesday's second shot, I remember them having like a 30-yarder from Coochie. Yeah, that, yeah they uh, straight was so easy. Um, and I just, I, I think I like, I, I almost like fell to my knees on the cup. I remember like properly doubling over my head in my hands like, oh, you've got to be kidding I me. Lost, and I really did, just because we were all over him and you're thinking... It's everything. I love the goal, by the way, when Quinn scores and you can just see one man sticking the rods up in the in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can picture that so clearly. Yeah, yeah, I've watched the highlights of this a load of times as well. Um, Quinn would go on to become the first player to score for both sides in a Sheffield derby, of course. Uh, three years later. I, I always liked Quinn at Wednesday, to be fair. I always thought he was one of their better players at Wednesday. I was fairly happy when we when we signed him, actually. I was surprised when they let him mm-hmm. go. Uh, and he was certainly in that awful Wednesday side really one of the standout players I think yeah um, it was a good finish a bit of not good defending I just seem to remember like it was almost like we left responsibility for tackling him to each other yeah. um, it was Paige and Murphy uh, in central defence and uh, yeah he runs runs through and slides it into the net and just yeah I was completely devastated he just you know that classic cliche of uh, form book going out the window yeah. in derbies. You just thought this is it. We're somehow going to lose to this awful Wednesday side that we've absolutely battered for forty-five minutes. But um, yeah, and we we kept battering them. Um, you missed out a bit of fantastic could... commentary by Chris Kamara, by the way. Well, we should. This is a. a I did want to mention Kamara because <laughs> uh, he does a lot of co-commentary for us during this season. But go on, I want to. I want to hear. When uh, oh, is it, sorry, is it, I think I might have jumped the gun. I can't remember when does he when does he send Maddox for the pies? Uh, that's so that's immediately after this. I think. Oh, sorry, we, right. I, said, I thought first off, we so, kept uh, yeah. we kept hammering him. Uh, Brown almost scored um, one of the great derby goals where he like dribbled past about yeah, four yeah, people. Yeah. Another amazing save from Pressman. Pressman like parries it with his feet. With Brown just smashes it in from about ten <laughs> yards and he parries it out and. Again, just like, what are we supposed to do? But yeah, Kamara's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. It's like Maddox is out for the pies. Westwood's an apology for a challenge. Like, Kamara was I have a, never heard a really that good Sending someone for the pies. Is that just me? Or... <laughs> no, I'd never heard it at the time. That's why it's stuck in my so, mind. So, so, and, take uh... someone on, he sent him for the pies. And I, I thought, right. There's another good bit with that Cabba header, actually, where Pressman saves it. And he says, uh, all Cabba needed to do is head it straight back across. And that's what he did. But there he is, the man, the, the one-man wall that is Kevin Pressman. Yeah. I love it. I love this commentary. Yeah, this it just there's something. Yeah, it's worth watching that game again just for Kamara's co-commentary because he just says the most strange things. But he like he draws it out for ages, doesn't he? You know, he doesn't sort of. He really doubles down on whatever bizarre <laughs> phraseology he's using. He, he loves point. it though, the passion in it. I always remember a Leeds scoring once and uh, watch. It can't have been Leeds. Anyway, someone scored once and he goes, and he'll tap that in. He'll have that every day. He'll have it with eggs, bacon, and beans. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this was around the same era. I remember watching it with a couple of mates. So, what did he say that? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. But we we finally equalised. Um, Steve Cabber, this is the the McCall one we mentioned when it was a bit of a, a challenge from McCall that he wins. And Cabber with a, a really underrated finish. I think underrated because of what happens next, but how did he manage to do this, Cabber? He sort of like the ball's like a chest high, isn't it? And he just sort of sticks a foot out and curves it past Pressman from about twelve yards. It's still yeah. it's a weird goal and it, it's almost like it, it would it took something like this to finally break yeah. the the defence, I suppose, the, the the spirit of Wednesday and of Pressman, I guess. But, 
Yeah, I always uh, I always enjoy that Kamara thing as well. Watch the way Kamara screws his <laughs> leg around the ball. Is that's the other thing he does? Kamara is like properly like inv- like really obsessed with the sort of minutiae of every act of kicking the <laughs> yeah, football. He does, yeah. he does it. Um, he does it for Tong's goal, the first one I think against Liverpool as well. It's like he has a little look and then he kicks it hard and it goes yeah. in is basically what he's saying <laughs> um oh such, such relief I, I don't i don't i remember definitely feeling more relief than like uh, you know your classic goal celebration thing it was it was a proper like thank god finally we scored against this just ridiculous yeah goalkeeper. it's like putting a cheat goalkeeper on a computer game and we ever played wednesday weren't it yeah, it's just yeah, it's just such a feeling of like just putting some injustice to one side of just how is how is he keep doing this? But yeah, finally, finally beaten, and then here we go another uh, another quick uh, quick fire double if you like, and I, I think this is still the best Blades goal I've seen in person. Like, we we'll get to that side point in a second. Um, Michael Brown writes his name into history with a stunner as the uh, commentator Some of the best commentator I've ever heard. That. Ian Crocker was the commentator. Oh, good man. I was going to yeah, ask if he knew and, that and, was. and the commentator, I wrote it down. He's, uh, it's 1-1. It's a cracker. What's going to happen next? As if he knows. It's as if yeah. he knows. It's brilliant. Then he goes, who knows? Will it fall for Brown? Oh, that's just amazing commentary. It's almost like he's watching a replay. If you're watching Master of the Day, you think, this yeah. is pre-recorded. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's perfect. It's it is really really good soundtrack to what is an unreal goal. It gets headed out to Brown, and as it drops, he just yeah on the volley smashes it in from twenty five yards. Pass Pressman again. I think that adds more more sort of points to how good it is, if you like. Happy and obviously, all keepers. <laughs> yeah, and obviously you know puts us ahead in the derby. Um, I think you know if you're just taking, there's definitely. There's been better moments that have involved United goals for me, you know. Think, you know, Basham at Leeds, yeah, for yeah. example, or yeah. um, you know, O'Connell coming yeah. in last season. But I think just in terms of like a quality goal and the occasion of it, I think this is still my favourite United goal. That it, I've but seen. I always remember about that goal. We went out, like I, said, we went out after I came back, and um, my dad had apparently gone to the pub. Uh, we were watching the match. He'd gone to the pub as soon as Wednesday had scored, and he came back in absolutely hammered. Didn't know that we'd won. Uh, and, and I goes, oh, we won three, one, shut up, shut up. Then he came up news and that goal went in. He went, that was a, that was a right goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was stunning. I mean, yeah, commentator called it a stunner, but it was just a, a ridiculous strike from Brown. And yeah, just, uh, I, I guess, just underlined what an amazing season he was having. Um and then we made it three. Wayne Allison uh, off the bench. Great work by Cabba. Dribbles down the line, centres it for Allison, who taps in inside the six-yard box in front of the Wednesday fans. That was 3-1. Game over. There was never any doubt they were coming back from that. It should have been four. Should have. It really should have been four. Do you remember Michael this? Tong, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that... As much joy as I've got out of this game, I really wanted that fourth goal because we were... We deserved four against this Wednesday yeah. team, um, and yeah, as you said, as you said earlier, we've been through this run against them where we really should have got better results than we were yeah. getting. Where Pressman just kept them out, but yeah, Tong missed a great chance to make it four, but a three-one win, a fully, fully deserved, emphatic win, punctuated by that Brown goal. Um, we well, Warnock, by the way, just a, just got a bit of a, a side thing is that Warnock's results against Wednesday weren't all that great. 
overall, mm. considering how bad Wednesday were at that period. Um, but I always felt that we, I, I might be being biased, but I always felt we were the better team all the way through Warnock's era yeah. against Wednesday. I did as well. I had the exact same thing. And yeah, maybe there is an element of youthful bias. Yeah, possibly, there, I suppose, yeah. But... I just always remember thinking we we always were the better team, but we didn't always win. Pressmen were just insane. So, yeah. But I always felt like we... I always felt quite confident in the derby under Warnock that we were going to put something in. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just quickly on... I just want to quickly talk about Steve Cabrera, who I think gets a little bit forgotten in this game. Um probably because of the Brown goal, I guess. But he scored one with a great finish himself, as I said. And then he creates a third out of absolutely nothing. Yeah. And he does this a lot through the season. In this game, he picks it up 40 yards out. He's tightly marked. He's you know, he's, he's not in a dangerous area at all. He ends up dribbling at the defender all the way I to the, the byline. I think the defending just... is awful on that, to be honest. I think he's... Is it Danny Maddox? That is fair. Probably, yeah. yeah. That is fair. But, um, yeah, he does it a lot through this season. And, uh, yeah, I sort, of, I sort of feel like his whole United career was a little bit underrated. We were... We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? You know, he scored some very big goals, not just in this season, but then uh, in our promotion season as well a few years later. Um, and yeah, we don't. I, I don't feel he probably gets the the praise he's probably due. I suppose. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think the the problem with Cabo was his injury after. I think was it the season after he got injured. I think so. Um, yeah. I, I, we were all we all loved him. He had we had them Cabo Dabba Do t shirts made up. You remember oh, them? Jesus, yeah. uh, and I think he was a fan's <laughs> favourite. I think everyone loved. Everyone wanted Cabo to play week in week out. Uh, and I think we all knew that you were only young. You were only like twenty three, I think, at the time, something like that. Mm. Massive potential, uh, and then cruelly sort of injured. And it never. He had that spell uh, in the promotion season where he, he banged about what were it like nine or something, and in the first like fifteen games or something. Yeah. I never felt like he was the same player again after that that injury the season after. But I love watching him play. Reminded me of Ian Wright a little bit. Like not his over nowhere near as good, mm. but just in the way that he played, that enthusiasm and everything. Yeah, really, uh, a, a lot of big contributions through his United career. Um, I actually saw him score uh, a penalty for Barnet many years later that saved Barnet yeah. from relegation on the last day of the well, season. Look, when he left us, I think it just shows that he'd lost it. But he got one in twenty five for Watford. 17 mm. for Black Blackpool, non in eight for Oldham, non in ten for Brent. You know what I mean? It, it something happened in it with that injury that sort of set him back to the point where he never became the same again. Yeah, very uh, very sad. But this season and that promotion season, very uh, very big contribution, as I said. So yeah, that was an incredible three game stretch for United: Liverpool, Portsmouth, Wednesday, an amazing derby win. Still, you know, that's I know we'll talk about bouncing day forever, but. This one for that Michael Brown yeah. goal will we'll live long in the memory without a shadow of a doubt. Let's take a very quick break, mate, and then we'll come back uh, talking about uh, the Cups some yeah. more. Okay, we're going to leave it there for this part of our season retrospective. If you want to get straight into part two, it should be out already. Just refresh your uh, podcast feeds, download it, and uh, get stuck straight into the second part of the season because, uh, yeah, a lot of good things still to come. Uh, one incredible game, particularly at the end of that part. So, yeah, thanks to listening. Thanks for listening to part one. Uh, we will see you for part two soon, I hope. Thank you. Wayne Quinn's corner. And it's come to Michael Tong again.
incredible. It really is incredible. How on earth have they got themselves in front of this competition on the night? Look at this. The ball comes in there. There's a hand went in there somewhere. I don't know where it came off. And then the control and the finish. There's nobody on that far post when it comes in. There's the ball. It goes in there. It's cleared by Honcho. Look at that. That's skill and ability. Then it's one-on-one -on -one with the strike. Bang. In it goes.